Gentlemen, as you know, this is the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, you could call us Speedy. Why don't you give our number? 631-672-3108. As everybody knows, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio. Network And by the way, it was a beautiful day out today. No rain, no snow, a little bit of sun. Uh, it was peaking at the end of the day, but all in all, 46 at its high. So it wasn't that bad. Yesterday, I think at its high, I think it was 39. Uh, so it's getting a little bit warmer. So we're looking forward to that. And by the way, Snug says you can call him <laughs> at 631-867-5309. Uh, we have a great show lined up for you guys today. Uh, at 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to football uh, owner and NFL draft. What is that? Uh, Sapient. Uh, why are we putting that in there? That's his company. Uh, well, it doesn't make sense. Uh, anyways, football sapient owner. What, how about just call his company the Sapient Company, not this. Again, I told you not to write this out like an idiot. But anyways, an NFL uh, draft analyst, John Douglas Vogel, will be joining us as always. Um, and uh, we will get into the baseball strike uh, or lockout. It is over now. We'll get into all the agreements uh, of all the different uh, transition changes uh, in the MLB. Uh, we will get into, uh, obviously, everything we didn't get into yesterday, uh, the Amari Cooper situation. Uh, well, who's the other wide receiver? Calvin Ridley. <laughs> Calvin Ridley getting suspended for the year for betting on football. Um not surprising. Um, and uh, we'll go through uh, the trade of the day. Khalil Mack gets traded to the Chargers. Uh, what does that do in that division? Uh, obviously, adding Russell, Will- Russell Wilson to that division with the Broncos. And now Khalil Mack, to, a, a, to me, a, a very good defense. Now you're adding arguably one of the best pass rushers in the whole league. And I want to give a shout-out to Jeff because he – Wanted to text me to tell me, even though I knew about it early in the morning. But uh, thank you, Jeff, for letting us know about the Khalil Mack trade. Um, we will get into a lot of football, obviously, um, when we get John on. So uh, just a lot of stuff. We'll get into some basketball also as the Nets uh, are playing the 76ers in there. Absolutely killing the 76ers in Philadelphia right now, but uh, that could change as well. So um, we will get into that a little bit later in the show. And obviously, uh, I'd like to squeak in a little hockey a little bit later um, as the trade deadline is going to be coming up next week. Uh, What do the Rangers do? What does Boston do? What do the Islanders do? Are they traders or buyers? Uh, I think they're traders. So uh, we will get into that a little bit later in the show. 
Stuck says, Speedy's mom is hoping for a full moon tonight. Jeff says, hashtag ban the beeve. Snug says, the amazing Mr. Ridley. That's like the biggest no-no when you're a pro athlete. And Jeff says, Jerry Jones getting sued for hiding a love child? Mm, interesting story. Okay. I, I didn't hear about that, but I'm sure. It's Jerry Jones. You can never rule anything out. Well, Jerry Jones likes to, uh, you know, pull the thing out, if you know what I mean. So do you, Speedy. No, I don't. You don't like pulling the thing oh out? Oh, my God. Anyways. We're not going there again. I, I want to get into this lockout. And we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. And you think about the MLB and and really the offseason. Everybody was looking forward to some of these free agents and, and some awkward moves that some teams could make uh, in the offseason, either in trades or free agency. And, and, and obviously the baseball draft, which everybody can't wait for every single year, as including the New York Mets, who uh, thought they had a pitcher last year yeah. and completely lost one uh, in the middle of the season. But going into this offseason, everybody was talking about this lockout. What is the CBA going to do? What is Rob Manford going to do if the Players Union decide to uh, put a lockout with the season? And and a lot of people thought this was going to drag out to May. Speedy did. I did. I did not think that this uh, deal was going to come as quick as it did. But... When you look at what the MLB was trying to do and what the Players Union was trying to do, they were trying to give a lot of these uh, free agents, these arbitrating players, an opportunity to make more money. And even some of the players, the, the least paying players are not making a lot of money, either in uh, you know AAA or even on the bench on a major league roster. You talk about the DH and and adding the DH to the National League. That was predominantly going to happen. It was absolutely going to happen one way or another. And then I I was talking to you, Speedy, about the shift. And there was a conclusion to it. And I I think one of the deals and one of the agreements to this uh, CBA agreement is that the shift will completely be torched out of the MLB. But you look at the league and you look at the transition of the game. I do believe the MLB is trying to make the game more fun to watch because a lot of the fans are moving towards basketball and football and even hockey now. Uh, baseball, which is American America's pastime, it's really losing its edge. To And even though a lot of the parents and a lot of the families don't want their kids playing football and they want them to play baseball because it's more obviously more guaranteed money. I don't think they care about that, but it's more protective for their youngsters and, and it protects their, their kids at a young age instead of getting brain damage or something like that. But this lockout, this offseason has absolutely affected a lot of teams. It affected the Yankees for, obviously, free agency. It's affected the Dodgers are adding some players and pitchers uh, to already a championship-made team. The Red Sox trying to add the uh, the Chinese kid from from Japan. I think that when you look at the game and, and what the game is trying to bring to the fans, you want to see a, a, a different a, a difference. You want to see a more offensive game where fans are going to actually be locked in and want to go to the baseball game and want to go and watch a live baseball game. Now we look at these rules and these uh, these 
these agreements. And I, Speedy, you have any of them up? I do. Um, All right. First, of, first one is that was big was the minimum salary, like you mentioned. A lot of these minor league players and players just coming up. So for this season, it's going to be seven hundred thousand dollars, and it will increase by twenty thousand each of the next five seasons. So twenty, forty, sixty, eighty, seven hundred eighty thousand right. as of twenty twenty six. The first year increase is the largest single year increase in history and five times larger than last year, too. Uh, competitive balance tax, which was a big stipulation from the owner's standpoint, uh, it was $230 million this year and it'll go up to $244 million as of 2026. The pre-arbitration bonus pool is up to $50 million and to be distributed among the top 100 players, which that was a big thing in the early parts of the negotiations as well, which was based on the performance of these top prospects and even some of the prospects that do well in terms of different statistical things. Uh, the draft lottery, uh, it'll be a lottery for the top six players or top six teams, which will prevent a lot of these teams from tanking like we've seen certain teams do. Uh, international draft will be 20 rounds and the compensation will be more than $20 million for some of these uh, for distributing among these signed players. Uh, there's rule changes, a committee fitting in. In 2023, a committee comprised of four active players and six members appointed by MLB. Uh, which will be pitch clock, base size, defensive positioning, and automatic strike zones are the other things that are being discussed that might be in place by then. And then uh, contracts for arbitration-eligible players will be guaranteed. And top prospects who finish first or second in the Rookie of the Year voting will have a full year of service, which is a big deal for for the Mets because that was one of the big, big things that would have been lost for Pete Alonso if they didn't have a season this year. So, yeah, uh, Universal DH, like you were mentioning, expanded postseason, 12 teams. And options five times per season. And by the way, I, I know Carl was trying to correct me, the Chinese kid from Japan. You know what I meant. The, the Japanese kid from Japan. I don't know why you're trying to correct me, Carl. You know what I was talking about. Okay? I, I don't know wh- wh- why we're trying to correct me because you, you know what I was saying. How about the shift? How about the shift? Has it has it appeared in any of the rules? That, that was me- that was mentioned on Sunday. I think they're just this article is just listing a lot of the new yeah. ones. But yeah, you, you, it seemed like what you were saying yesterday about the shift seems to be more likely that they're going to. And yeah. the DH is being the added DH, the National yeah. League. The DH as well. is added, and then uh, oh, I missed one. Cl- clubs promoting top prospects to opening day rosters will be eligible to receive draft picks if that player finishes in top three in the Rookie of the Year voting or top five in MVP slash Cy Young voting, which would have helped the Yankees and Aaron Judge's uh, Rookie of the Year year for sure and if Altuve didn't cheat he's probably MVP too. I think when you look at the MLB they're trying to make the game more efficient uh, obviously making the game more fun to watch and, and some of the uh, the players uh, I know they were trying to get rid of the 162 game season which I, I did not see the owners or, or, or the league trying to change that because it's more money coming in which makes more money and puts more money in these players pockets so I understand like uh, guys like Rizzo and I've heard a, a bunch of other players say that they would rather play 115 games or 120 games. There's no way the league is going to cut out 40 or 50 games into a season when there's so much money to be made for the MLB. But when you look at these rules, like you were saying, Speedy, I think what it was really trying to do is uh, try to help out the minor league players because obviously they're not making enough money and they can't support a family. And some of these players never even get into the opportunity right. to play Major League Baseball. And, and the minimum wages, if you're playing in the MLB, 700000 is peaked up to – it's now peaked up from 700000 to even 780000 in the final year of the CBA. So I think the players are making more money. Even if you're not an everyday player, you're making almost a million dollars a year. 
But I, I think all in all, uh, they obviously the threshold. They wanted to raise the threshold. So teams like the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the high-paying grade teams like the Dodgers will have uh, enough more money to add free agents or pay other players on their roster that they can keep and they don't lose. I, I mean, obviously what the league is trying to do is – protect some of these players so they stay in their natural places either where they were drafted or uh, even traded to. So I think it's a very interesting, uh, you know, off season, and the lockout was very interesting, and I was very surprised that it went as quick as it did. Yeah, there are also some reports that a lot of the a lot of the Mets players were, were the ones that were holding back the talks for today too, which was kind of interesting. At about four or five p.m. today, where it seemed like it wasn't going to happen, and then it came through eventually later. So it's kind of interesting what they were fighting for. Maybe Steve Cohen had some leverage and that kind of thing, especially with the increase in the uh, the competitive balance taxes and the uh, the overall potential salary or not salary cap overall payroll for a lot of these teams so maybe he had to step in and make that kind of thing uh thing uh Snuck says ben simmons is going to come off the bench in the second half to give philly fans the finger well it's going to take a while for millionaires and billionaires to get it straight hashtag save the shift uh carl says yes khalil mack to the chargers yes speedy's favorite team yeah i know i also like the fact that the mlb did not add uh two extra teams in the postseason because I think that would have ruined the uh, ruined the postseason. It's set up even too many as it is right now. I think the league obviously they want to bring in more teams into the playoffs, the wild card spots uh, where there's more money to be made in certain cities. Certain teams that you wouldn't expect to make it to the playoffs uh, are making it to the playoffs and playing that one game playoff where they can actually make the regular, you know, make the postseason. So I I think it, it definitely helped that they didn't add the fourteen the two extra teams, which would have made 14 teams making the playoffs. But I also think with, with, with all these agreements and all these uh, different rule changes, I also like the fact that they're not bringing in uh, these motorized umpires or whatever. Yeah, really. These, uh, what do they call it? Robot umps. Robot umps. So they're not coming in. So I think that really helps the league. But I, I think the league is trying to transition into the new day of age. And I, I, I understand uh, they're trying to speed up the batters in the boxes, be, uh, in, a bo- in a box, because when they're getting in the box, you see all these these hitters, they step out of the box, they're playing with their gloves. They uh, right. <laughs> you know, playing with their shin guards or whatever the heck they're doing. And, and, and they're not moving faster. And the pitchers, too. There are certain pitchers that hold on to the ball uh, before they throw the ball every 10, 15 seconds. With, these games are going three and a half, four hours sometimes with the Yankees and Red Sox over the years. Even now, the Mets versus the Philadelphia Fli- Phillies. These games go forever. And that has a lot to do with the pitchers and the, and the, the hitters in the box. So I think, you know, slowly but surely, I think baseball is trying to speed up the game, but also make the game more fun to watch. And more uh, interesting to watch offensively. And I think in taking, again, I'm going to go back into it. I know it, it takes away, you know, obviously something that's been a part of the game for years and really forever. But I think it's it's really affected the game for the last 15 years. And taking away the shift will open up the game, add more offense to the game. You're going to see more runs, I guarantee. Uh, and you're going to see more hits. Now, obviously, players like Joey Gallo or, or uh, players that strike out a lot or or, or or pull the ball a lot in certain parts of the field and they can't get in in certain areas, it, it is going to benefit them because obviously you can't shift. You, you, I, I think Joey Gallo likes to hit it to, le- to the left field porch. Uh, now 
uh, Joey Gallo is not going to worry about you know, if he pulls the ball you know, a little bit over the first baseman, there's not a, a shortstop or a second baseman standing right behind the first baseman where he can't get that extra that extra hit or that extra run batted in. So I, I think all in all, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to make the game more uh, efficient offensively. Uh, Stark says, what if owners made ticket prices and concessions a little more affordable? Jeff says, down goes St. John's and enjoy the NIT. Uh, gotta love that even at the college level, New York basketball sucks too. Carl says, I should have bet the Johnnies to cover. Uh, Jeff says, give me robot umps or Angel Hernandez every time. Carl says, they play with their gloves like, gloves like Speedy plays with his underwear. And then uh, our network account, I'm guessing it's Josh, I'm not sure. Mm. Four teams held it back, Mets, Yankees, Cardinals, Astros. All players were pretty much Scott Boris clients. And we have a call. Who are we speaking to? Oh, who are we speaking to? Who are we speaking to? Josh, boys? what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? I... You know, I, I heard you talking. It's been a long time since I've I, I've talked on the show and everything like that. And, you know, just happy baseball's back. That's you know well, important, obviously. To as me. a as a Met fan, you should be because you have you have the opportunity to see Max Scherzer at least pitch thirty games this year, which uh, there's there's they're paying enough money to the guy, so uh, <laughs> well, that's you know. that's a good thing. I mean, also, I think a lot of players did not want to play 162 games this year. They didn't get their wish because I think all in all, uh, a lot of these owners just wanted to get this deal done because they wanted to make their money, and 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 obviously. A lot of teams are benefiting from this, and and I think uh, the Mets are one of the teams that I believe are going to benefit from some of these rule changes and, and some of these so additions. The, the the truth of the matter is, and, and and I hear you with what you're saying with the owners and the money aspect mm-hmm. of it. The, the the truth of the matter is that when you think about it and you look into it in a different perspective, it's the owners in cold weather cities, right? Like you take Colorado, you take Minnesota, which I just. I'm still blown away that Minnesota did not get a roof over their new stadium. I, I don't even understand how that it was even passable, but that's besides the point. After having one for like 40 these, years. These, I mean, like in the Midwest up there, I mean, come on, it's, it's 20 degrees outside in April. But besides that, there are certain owners that I look at, I mean, and, and look at the negotiation table, right? Like the Colorado Rockies owner, who's known to be one of the cheapest owners in baseball, was at the negotiation table during these meetings. And these owners were probably thinking in their head, hey, look, we're not going to get fans anyway in April because we're in a cold weather, we're in a cold weather town. Nobody's going to go to Colorado and watch a baseball game when it's 15 degrees and it's snowing outside. So some of these owners, and I look at it as they didn't care if baseball was being played in April. They had no care at all because of the cold weather. Now you have some teams, right? Like you said, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Yankees, mm-hmm. the Red Sox. Those teams care about it because those are, again, competitive market teams. Mm-hmm. That's And that's also where, and I don't know if Speedy mentioned this, they added a fourth-tier tax, which was pretty much they're now calling it the Steve Cohen tax, where if you go over now, I believe it's a certain amount. I can't remember the exact number of what it is. I forget what the – it's an astronomical amount of oh, money. Oh, yeah, I think I, I see of, it. I see uh, it. Uh, fourth uh, tax level – $60 million under, above the base threshold to yes. address runaway So there spending. was pretty much an extra tier that was added to it. And I, <laughs> this, is, this, this is the thing that just pisses me off so much, right? Like, you know, for years, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, they spent money like, like crazy, right? And nobody, and nobody said boo 
and then the Mets get an owner now after we dealt with the Wolfhounds for years, and now every owner wants to cry about it. And we're gonna make a we're gonna make a tax because the Met owner is too rich, and it just it, it, that's that's the thing that just annoys me. But listen, the point being is this: no matter what the situation was, we have to see how this goes in five years because it's 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 very volatile still. It still is. I mean, we saw the representation. I know you mentioned earlier. I think it was eight to nothing. Mm-hmm. Was the vote process in the in, for the um, the heads of the union? They voted eight to nothing, and a lot of those guys are Scott Boris guys, like Max Scherzer, Andrew Miller, Garrett Cole. Those were guys that were on on the board. But the players, you know, from each team went twenty six to four. They voted against it, and the owners went thirty to nothing. So in the end, it wound up they overruled it. Now, if they come back in five years back to the table and this did not work out and it's so volatile, then some of these players that were on the board, like a Garrett, like a Garrett Cole and stuff like that, are going to look at these players and they're going to say, oh, you see, I told you, hmm. you know, this is a very volatile, it's a very nasty, nasty um, negotiations with both sides of this whole thing, right? Well, We're all baseball fans. Well, I also, we I, I also think that the players have every right to to be rude and, and disrespectful to the owners. Oh, 100%. Because absolutely. they're not getting enough money. And I, I know everybody says, well, they're making millions and millions of dollars. But these owners are uh, booking the money. I mean, it's pretty much just – they're air mailing it into their pockets. I mean, the hot dog, you know, sales over there. I mean, a hot dog at a stadium now is like eight, nine dollars. I mean, the drinks are like fifteen dollars. I mean, if you get a, a, a what do they call it? A, a, a box full of uh, nuggets, I think, is like twenty dollars. So everything. I mean, it, it is crazy. It, it is. You're you're 100 percent right. It, it's it, expensive. Everything is astronomically expensive. It's tough. Why you go know, to cheapest, Why go to a baseball game when the you can sit? Part of going to the game now is buying the ticket. Yeah. That is the cheapest part of going to the game now is buying the ticket. And you can't bring. Uh, and, and and now they're going through people's you know pocketbooks, so you can't bring any food. You can't bring any drinks. You can't do anything. So really. Once you walk into that stadium, you're spending three, four hours. You know that you're. You, they know you're going to spend money. They know you're going to go out there. And now they're back to the full double headers too. By the way, now they're back to nine inning double headers now. So those are back. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm fine. Which I'm totally fine with. And I'm glad they got rid of that stupid runner on second rule. Oh, Enough yeah. of that nonsense. Yeah. Oh my god. And I still hate the three batter minimum. I hate that rule. And the reason being is because. I get when they say, oh, it speeds up the game because they're not doing pitching changes. Well, one, it takes the strategy out of the game. That's one. Two, I bring in a guy out of the bullpen, and he walks three straight guys in a row, and i got to keep him in the game for three batters. That doesn't make it go any faster than when it is having another guy come out of the bullpen and try to get it out. So to me, but it's – I get I, – I 100% get what you're saying, but the last few days, it came down to, like, the international draft, which they're, they can talk about and stuff like that. I don't even know at this point, guys, if it was even about like, like I understand they were trying to watch out for the younger players and stuff like that, but let's call it like it is. They were trying to get that CBT to the, to the, to the, I believe it was to the, to the 280. Mm. That the was the yeah. goal. They were trying to get, they were trying to get to the 280 because again, you're looking, look again, look who's on the board. Mm-hmm. And I, and I could tell you this right now, Scott Boris had a massive part in telling these players what to do. Because Absolutely. about ninety percent ninety five percent of that board 
were Scott Boris clients. And Scott Boris. And he's telling these guys, 100%, you need to get it up to as high as you possibly can because guess what? If they start taxing the owners, boy, you're not going to get your pie. But everybody, everybody knows what Scott Boris likes to do. He likes to overprice, oversell uh, his players, and, and make sure that they're getting a boatload of money, 50 60 $70 million more. I mean, Bryce Harper, look how much money he got when he left, uh, obviously, the Nationals to go to Philadelphia. He, a lot of people believe he got 100 and some odd million dollars more than any other team was offering him because of Scott Boris. So, again, you look at all these. Pete Alonzo, who's a Scott Boris guy, uh, a lot of people are are saying that Scott Boris... No, he's actually... He's he, not. He's not a Scott uh, I, Boris guy. I thought he was. Uh, Juan Brandon Soto Nimmo. is, though. Well, Juan, Juan Soto is... And Brandon, wow. Brandon Nimmo just switched Juan over to Juan Soto. Too, Juan Soto got offered $350 million he before this down. lockout. He's going to get $400 million. Yeah, he is. And he's the best hitter Somebody in baseball. And I think the Nationals are going to wind up trading him one way or another because he's not... Really... I think they would be very wise to do it if they feel they cannot keep him, but... But they're not. Really quick... I, I know they won't because they, they're going to try to do everything they can to keep him because he's he's their face of the franchise. But I will say this, guys. Think about this for the next couple of weeks. You have MLB free agency in trades. You have the NFL free agent tampering. Mm-hmm. You have March Madness starting. And you have the NHL trade deadline in two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's going to be nuts for the next few weeks. Like I already told my wife, I said, don't even I, – I, I said to her, I said, you're doing off-camps feedings. That's it. I'm done. All right? I'm, I'm the, the TV's on. That's it. I'm watching. That's it. Don't leave, leave me alone, you know? But, I mean, obviously I'm not being truthful with that because, of course, my wife would kick my ass. But the point being is this, is it, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, look at it this way, right? Max Scherzer already came out, and he sh- he's already going to be in Port St. Lucie tomorrow morning. Well, which we knew and was going to happen. Already gonna, it's, it's, it's insane. It's crazy. that and, I, a, and, and Buck Showalter's been living in St. Lucie for the last and, two months. And, and, a house. and, and here's <laughs> another thing. Obviously, now that this, the lockout will probably be over and be signed by tomorrow. Uh, the, the No, the, it's done already. It already signed. All right, it's so done. now free agency yeah. opens up again, and you're going to see Freeman yeah. come off the board. Correa is still available. There's a lot of players that the Yankees have obviously reached out to the organizations and reached out to their agents to see if they're 100% happy healthy. I mentioned uh, yesterday, who are the three guys that the Yankees, uh, they asked for, uh, you know, their, their help. I can tell you who they probably were. I didn't hear you. Speedy? Say, but it was probably Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, and no, no. It was, Freddie Freeman. It was Correa. Who was the other ones? It was Freeman no, it, it, it and Rodon. Freeman and Rodon. It wasn't Freeman. It was Rodon. Oh, Rodon. It was Rodon, and it was that Asian guy from oh, Seattle. Oh, Kikuchi. You're right. Kikuchi. It was not Freeman. And and now there's stories coming oh, out right now. What is it? Yeah, there, okay. There are, the story, from there are stories coming out right now that the Dodgers are going to make a high play for for Freeman. There was, uh, what is he, Muncie? Muncie reached out uh, to Freeman. They're both very good friends, uh, and that he's trying to uh, – you know, trying to pull Freeman over there to the Dodgers. I don't know what's going to happen to Freeman. Freeman, now that the new CBAs are are there and in line, I still think he'll sign a contract, an, an extended contract with the the Braves. But if he doesn't, I don't see him going to the Dodgers. The two teams that no, I and, and 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 the Athletic actually came out with a story about an hour ago. Yeah. Their head writer actually already has the four teams that are the favorites that have already been talking to Freeman. Who's that? And I'm shocked at who they were. They're, I'm floored. The Dodgers, the Braves, the Red Sox, and the Mets. Mm-hmm. And he says the Yankees are probably not on there, and the reason being is because they're trying to get Matt Olson. Mm-hmm. That's wow. the ultimate go. 
so that's the thing when when you look at it. But you know, I guess with, with the Mets reasoning and the Dodgers reasoning, Freeman's not okay, going we to. Have, we have, we have a full time DH. Yeah, Freeman's not going to the we, Mets. I, I do not see that. I know. I don't think he is either. But the fact that they're he put them on the list because apparently the report is Cohen and Epler have both been and they reached out to him actually before the lockout happened as well. They were talking to his agents, which I'm. I guess what they want to try to do is they want to try to really just build that lineup. They wanted a, the reports. They want a left-handed bat in the middle of that lineup. And they figured, all right, let's take one away from our division rival. Mm. What the hell? Mm. Freaking why not? Make them weaker and make us stronger. It makes sense. You have a full-time DH. So you can move Alonzo to DH, make him the first baseman. I, I don't think he's going to the Mets. I think he's going to. I would. My be, opinion. I think. I, think he, I, I. I don't think he's going back to the Braves. I don't think he's going to the Red Sox. I think he's going to the Red Sox. I don't think he's going to the Red Sox. I don't think he's going to the Red Sox because they have a star first baseman uh, that's going to be called up probably sometime this year. So I, I cannot. That's see. fine, but when you have a win now team, which they are attempted to trying to be right now, and and and, and like I said, the thing is, the prospects are prospects. Mm. You don't know what they are, right? They're just paper. Mm-hmm. You have a proven guy who is a future Hall of Famer. And a World Series champion in Freddie Freeman. Uh-huh. That could change the entire dynamic of any team that he goes to. Doesn't Carl, matter. Carl says, wouldn't more offense mean longer games? Yes, but average fans and young people love offense. Uh, oh, so- come on. Let's be realistic here. We're talking remember in the late nineties when all the when all the home runs were being hit because of steroids. Everybody freaking loved that. Stark says, Stark says, how is Angel Hernandez not negotiated out of a job in the CBA? Angel Hernandez <laughs> should be shot to the moon. Carl says, Angel Hernandez and Jim Joyce, garbage. TV deals yeah. say otherwise. Josh, everyone booed the Yankees for spending. Josh, what are you talking about? Carl says. Uh, Jeff says, hearing Josh makes me miss Tyler. I have a hard time believing that, Jeff. Wait, who said that? <laughs> Jeff. But I have a hard time believing it. Oh, that's good. I mean, well, you know, listen, hey, you, you could choose whether to listen or not. That's up to you, kid. Carl says, we all know Josh. I should says- say old man, but you know. Uh, Carl says, we all know Josh says none of that to his wife. Uh, Trey Flowers to the Jets. I haven't heard anything. Everyone to the Jets. I, I haven't no. heard anything with Trey heard Flowers. I, 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 I haven't heard that. I, I, just, I just checked out if, if Trey Flowers is going to the Jets. The, the, no. Not that I've seen. Nothing has come out yet. Nobody has said that Trey Flowers is going to the Jets. And, it, and it, even if he goes to the Jets, that's not a big signing. What are they giving him? I mean, Trey Flowers, what, what, what type of player is he? You know what I mean? So He's more of an interior guy. Yeah, so I don't, so know, I don't know. But who, who cares? We're not talking about football. We'll move on to football a little bit later in the show. But this is about the MLB lockout. And I think – and there's a lot to get into with football because we didn't get into the Calvin Ridley thing. Uh, obviously, there was a trade today for Khalil Mack, which could absolutely change everything in that division. We were just talking about Russell Wilson. Now we're in Khalil Mack in that division. That is by far the best division in football. It's not even an argument anymore, but I, I think that when you look at the lockout and you look at the position that some of these teams are in now, and the free agency market, there's so many good free agents still out there. Relief pitching, we've been talking about how relief pitching has really changed the game. I, I expect a lot of teams to jump on some of these free agent relief pitchers, and, and, and teams like the Yankees that really didn't make any moves really before the lockout, I, I, I see the Yankees either making a big trade, I don't see them going after the kid from the Athletics. Uh, they want too much, and I can't see the Yankees giving up 
the prospects that I'm reading that they're going to be asking for. So I, I Matt Olson, I don't think Matt Olson's going to the Yankees, but I do see uh, if they believe in Carlos Correa, uh, that he's their the, the big name that I keep hearing uh, that could be heading to the Yankees. But if they do that with all these shortstop, um, you know, prospects that the Yankees have, uh, they have three of them, and now they got the best international prospect right now in all of baseball from which is why they the want to do Republic. the international draft when teams like the Red Sox and the Dodgers. And the and the Yankees and the Mets. Well, the Yankees the have are constantly taking the, all the top. The yeah, top but the Yankees, prospects, the Yankees why. had one of the most. The, the Yankees had some of them. Uh, I think uh, one of the top teams that had the most money for international. The Yankees really don't go after international players like that. And if they do, they nitpick it. It's really over the last couple of years with Manaya uh, with the Mets. The Mets have gone over and, and after international players. The Cubs have gone after international players over the last couple of years. Um, St. Louis goes after uh, a lot of international players. So it's not really the Yankees as much as you think they are. Uh, the, the Yankees got the Dominican, the, the shortstop Dominican kid who's, I think, 17 years old, who a lot of believe people believe is going to be a star in this league. But if they bring in Carlos Correa, who's going to want a seven, eight-year deal, uh, what would be the point on, on making that move for that you know for that international play unless they're shifting them or using them as trade bait, which would be stupid for the Yankees organization. So uh, it, it's very interesting. Go ahead. Well, gentlemen, I was going to say I have to run now, but mm-hmm. I appreciate being back on. Absolutely. Jeff, continue to lick, continue to lick Julian Edelman's ass. That's great. Good for you, kid. <laughs> have fun with that and his and his and his brand. That's wonderful. Congratulations. And I will keep in touch with you guys. Yes. Sure. Right. Check out Off the Mat every Friday, uh, 5.30. We'll be on at 6 o'clock tomorrow because Lyle will not be there. I will um, I, I will, I will be there with Alex at 6 o'clock. So check out Off the Mat tomorrow on there and, and Body Slam. And we're doing good stuff with it. But continue the great work, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we might get you on soon at, live on the show, which you haven't had you live on the show in a while. So that would be fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I'd love to get back on live. Clearly, Jeff won't tune in, which would be a blessing. But... <laughs> <laughs> or Jeff will tune in just, just a roast. No, yeah, that's fine. Listen, Jeff could do whatever he wants. He could spank his monkey. I don't give a damn what he does, honestly. <laughs> you know, I, I, I could care less. But, hey, listen, it is what it is. It's all in good fun. I. You know, I miss talking to some of the guys like, like you know, like Carl and Ben. And I'm glad to see Ben is doing well. Ben's yes, been through yes. hell the last few weeks. A few um, weeks, few months. And like that. I've, been re- I've been reaching out to him and I've been talking to Carl and stuff like that. So good people over there. I miss Snug and his funny comments. Only, the only comments when Lyle comes on off the bat. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 yes. he does it. I know. Those two are butt buddies. And the funny thing is Lyle doesn't – Lyle, like <clears> – Lyle will think it's like – all joking and stuff. I'm like, no, I think Snug is actually a big fan of yours. You actually have one, so there's that. So you, you're, you're yeah. good there, kid. You know why? You because know he, he pissed me off, so Snug likes that. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, that that's why. <laughs> well, that's what it is. That's what they do. Snug, what is it? Snug and Jeff, they work together, Jeff, don't they? Jeff no, but, says, Jeff, but Jeff doesn't like Lyle, though. So he's only Snug and, and, and Oh, well, and no, Jeff's, I, I don't know. Does, yeah. he, does he still not like Lyle? No. Because I remember when Lyle threatened him or something, and then, they became best friends towards the end of the show. No, it was a very no. That was a, that was a very moment. temporary thing. Jeff doesn't like anybody. Okay, so well uh, we know that he's he, he's just yeah, he's miserable. What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> Jeff, I don't know why his force his force teams are great. I don't know why. Jeff, and, uh, <laughs> Jeff is only full full on board allies it. with Snug. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, guys, get back to your show. I don't want to hold up any more time. Thanks, Thanks for Josh. having me on. Thanks, I'll talk Josh. to you guys. I'll, I'll come on live for sure. Absolutely. Very, very soon. By the All way, right, Jeff says be well. Ones. 
Jeff, Jeff says be uh, well. So there you go. Oh, uh, well, that's that's so that's so generous of him. You, you tell him <laughs> I would say the same. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, I, I miss all the I miss all the guys for sure. I'll talk to you guys soon. Though, all right. right. Have, have a good one. All right, Bye-bye, Josh guys. Silverberg uh, from obviously the wrestling show that we have uh, off the mat. So uh, getting back into baseball, I think. With what baseball is trying to do, they're trying to open up opportunities for some of these small market teams uh, to land the players or re-sign their players. And all these owners, they're multi-millionaires, multi-billionaires. Obviously, they're not bringing in money like the Yankees are with the endorsements and and some of the different things that they have uh, with uh, their shirts and the jerseys and the hats that they sell. Um, and obviously like that, and, and the money that they bring in for hot dog sales and all that other stuff. But I think that when you look at the game and the transition of the game, they're trying to figure out ways, ways to make the game more fun to watch and, and go live to the baseball games. Honestly, I, I don't even go to more than two or three baseball games a year now because I think it's just too expensive. And it's not the tickets like Josh was saying. Uh, the tickets are affordable. Right. It's going to the games and then going, you're hungry, you want to buy a drink, and then the lines are ridiculous. I, I mean, you're waiting. If if, if you go to uh, – what was it? Um, City uh, Field. City Field. You go to City Field, and you want to go to Shack, uh, Shake Shack. Shack yep. and you're waiting online uh, all the way into the fifth inning. You go you go in the second inning. You're waiting three, four innings to get uh, you know a hamburger. I mean, what fun is that? Right. And I, I think and, – and then when you're going up there, the burger is like $12, $13 for a small little burger. So – I understand why they do it, and they have to pay these players. These players are making a boatload of money, and now with the the different um, changes because of the lockout in the CBA, it, it, they're going to make even more money. But I think every single player, if they can make the money and they have the opportunity to make the money, they should absolutely have the opportunity to do that. So I, I just think that some of these rules – I know you guys don't like you don't like the shift rule. I think that was one of the rules I really really like because I think it opens up the offensive game for some of these teams and some of these players that are obviously. And you're going to say, well, they're making millions and millions of dollars. They should learn how to hit the ball. But when they grow up and they train in AAA and AA to do certain things, coming into the league, it's not as easy to change your stance, change the way you swing at the ball. It, it's a different. It, it's different, and it's harder to do. No matter how big and how good of a professional that you are changing your swing and changing your leg kick you know a second behind or even 0.3 seconds behind it you're you're you it's going to hurt your swing so i i think that i mean speedy i i, I know you heard josh what, what are your thoughts to the new rules well yeah i think what josh was mentioning about the discrepancy with these with these owners are definitely a big thing because yeah the the market size is going to make a difference because the small market teams are going to continue to be the small market teams, even if they have the bigger owners. Like I think we were talking about it on the weekend crunch. I was mentioning how the Pirates' ownership is top ten, like in terms of the revenue, mm-hmm. total revenue, but they're not spending a lot of money because their team is bad and they haven't had haven't it's had a good small baseball market, market. Too, yeah. right? So as a result, beautiful stadium, by the I, way. Yeah, my my brother's been there. I've always wanted to go there. Um, but yeah, even so, like there's different discrepancies with that too, and the competitive balance, the the tax going up for that is more of the basis of the differentiations between the players. And that's why I think it's going to help the small market teams too, even though it seems like, okay, you're just going to raise salary. All right, here's the other guy spending. It's only going to be exclusive still to the big, big free agents that are going to get these big contracts because teams aren't paying older free agents anymore, especially if they're hitters. Now, Max Scherzer and uh, Max Scherzer is the exception to that rule. But again, that's a, that's a big name future hall of fame pitcher. There's a, 
the older hitters are not getting paid as much comparatively, especially if they're a corner outfielder or a first baseman that isn't as much of a premier position. That's why the Yankees are in the in this market for Freeman too, and have a still have a good shot at getting him because they of could. That. They, yeah, they, they could. They could. I, I don't see them getting Correa and Freeman. If, no, not both of them. If they get one, they're not getting the other. I right. know a lot of Yankee fans think uh, they, uh, AK Tyler. He says the Yankees should open up their pocket after what the Mets did. The Mets did what they did because they have a, an owner that doesn't care to spend. He wants to see a championship one way or another. But we have seen this over and over again, year in and year out. Even when the Yankees did it in the 90s, I mean, not not in the 90s, the early 2000s, it only it only brought them one championship in 2009. Right. It doesn't buying players don't win you championships. Those are facts, okay? You got to build through your farm system, build a core of players and then make sure you don't lose those players in free agency. We've seen a lot of teams over the years lose their best players. Look at Nolan Arenado. Look what Colorado. <laughs> look at what Colorado does with everybody. Look, look what happened to Colorado. They had so many good young players. Now all of a sudden, uh, Trevor Story is going to be gone. They're they're they're, they're going to yeah. they're going to start all over again because mm-hmm. they can't afford their players. It's a small market, and and the owner doesn't like to open up their pockets. And they just did that too with the other core of players that they have outside of Todd Helton who stayed. Like look, everyone else went too. Lemayhew, um, Matt Holliday. Dexter Fowler, all those players too. And they left for cheap money too. I know. So like, they're just not good at managing that. But again, that's the discrepancy of the ownership too. And like you were mentioning too, like they're going to reward these younger players more and the teams that develop the younger players more with these new rules too, where they can get the signing bonus. That's the most important part of these rules. Yeah. Is helping the younger players. Which again, they're they're trying to keep teams from like being so bad where they're so like so bad and uncompetitive for so long that they're rewarding a lot of these players that have these top prospects as a result. And also the arbitration bonus pools and the the award the awards for these players the players that are doing well in war for rookies they're rewarding these kinds of things in terms of developing these young players which will end up kind of balancing out the money in a way too because i don't think the gm strategy is going to change that much because again they're not paying the second tier hitters as much or the older hitters as much the big the big players are going to get their money we saw it with tatis we saw it with bryce harper we saw it with mike trout the big players will get their money but the second tier guys aren't going to get paid as much. And as a result, the discrepancy is leaning towards pay the younger players early. So it's going to balance it out where they can still get a good contract, but it could also be team friendly later on. And I think these new rules definitely help that kind of thing too, where they're going to be getting compensation earlier in their contracts. If they, if they end up getting these players get going, it'll benefit player development. The best, the best part of this is, is finally getting this over with and moving on. Uh, you, you know, obviously pitchers and catchers will probably go, go down to Florida probably in the next couple of weeks. Like next they were saying week. March 17th. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen pretty quick. Obviously, you heard that uh, Max Scherzer's heading down tomorrow. So uh, that's good. And that when, when you're hearing that stuff, you, you're hearing spring training. And then baseball's around the corner in April. So that's what you want to hear. And you, don't want, you, you didn't want to miss any games this season. I know a lot of people, especially some of the baseball players, they did want to play a full season. They right. wanted to, to cut some of the games out because a lot of these players think 160. 62 games is a little bit too long for a season. But all in all, the fans want to see 162 games. The fans want to go to these games. And and also, these guys are making millions and millions of dollars. I understand that it's a long season. But all in all, uh, that's why you have a certain amount. You, you have AAA, you have AA, you have single A. And then you have a, a huge roster of pitchers and, and players that you can pick and, and, and choose off your bench. So 
I, I think this is a great thing. I, I'm happy that baseball figured this out as quick as they did so they didn't miss any any games this season. And we're now, like Josh says, we're moving closer to baseball. March Madness is around the corner. The NHL trade deadline. You have the NFL uh, free agency market opening up in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, yeah. the draft. So there's just there's so much opportunity now where there's so much to talk about with sports. And if you're a sports fan, this is the best time of year to, to get ready uh, as as the sports start to move forward uh, going into the new year. Jeff says, Yankees still getting Manny Machado. Maybe Patrick Corbin. He always wanted to be a Yankee. Carl says, Alex missed the AW live show down here in Florida. Jeff says, waiting in line at Shake Shack. Do what Tyler does and just eat the leftovers out of the dumpster. Carl says, long lines are a good point. That is where he pays to live in Florida. No one goes to Marlins or Rays games, so yep. no lines. Yes, that is very true. Uh, Rays always start over and keep winning. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yes, they're very well run organization and do you think Tyler will still order Grubhub when they when they charge more for cats who knows <laughs> who right. knows but yeah well, I, why don't you ask uh, Tyler that I, I'm, I'm very surprised that Tyler hasn't called up the show for some of the stuff that people have said so far since he's been gone okay uh, I, I I doubt he's been tuning into the show because I I, th- I think that it, it just hurts him that he can't you know he can't do the show anymore but uh, all in all, I'm happy that Tyler is happy that he's doing whatever he's doing uh, now that he's not doing the show. So He's probably uh, outside Yankee Stadium petitioning them for go for pitching. Who right knows now. what he's doing? <laughs> I mean, he wants to throw the Yankees off a plank, okay? It, it, the, the fact that the Yankees didn't go after Max Scherzer and they didn't go after Lindor when they did, as the Mets added Lindor and Scherzer in the last couple of years, listen— the, the Yankees are not going to go out there on a spending spree. Now, they could land Carlos Correa, who's going to demand at least $200 million. So, all in all, he might even demand more than that. And the Yankees are going to have to pay because I, I do believe the the, the, the the closest team to get Carlos Correa is the Yankees because he's not going back to Houston. Houston Houston already gave him an offer. He denied it. Yeah, Houston has a, had a trend where they're not keeping their players very often, especially hitters. And he's not going to the Dodgers after what the Do- the Dodgers did in the trade deadline last year. Yeah, I, the, outside of outside of Brantley, I don't think they've kept a lot of their hitters, the Astros. They tend to keep their pitchers more and develop from there, and especially with their younger pitchers now, too, making that kind of thing work. So, yeah, I don't see him going back to the Astros either. I think Freeman's a better fit than Correa, honestly, with all the, the, the prospects the Yankees have when it comes to shortstop, I, I I think it's crazy to go after Carlos Correa and spend the money when you have all these different prospects. Volpe, who could be called up this year, Pariza, who who they say could start the season as the starting shortstop. So uh, the fact that you're you're all of a sudden thinking about bringing in a, a multi million dollar contract, a hundred hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to a player that you really don't need it doesn't make any sense. But uh, he's he's a guy that adds power and he's a great playoff player, which something the Yankees have had problems hitting in the playoffs year in and year out. So bringing in Carlos Correa, I think he's a career 300 hitter in the playoffs. Yeah, so. Fre- Freeman's also for the left left field is definitely, or right field with the left-handed power could definitely be helpful though too, even though he's a good spray hitter. He could hit all over the field. That still could definitely Correa help. does fit with the Cubs. I, I think that would be a good move for the Cubs, especially some of the uh, the moves that they made in the offseason before the lockout. So right. uh, I, I think the Cubs are rebuilding. So I, I don't know if he goes to the Cubs. Uh, but I, I was very – and even Detroit, they got a, they got a steal from what's his name? Baez. Baez, yeah. Baez going to the Detroit uh, Tigers. I think that was a great deal, mm-hmm. uh, affordable deal. I think it was a steal. I think it was the steal of the offseason so far. But 
Um, I do want to get off baseball. There's so much to talk about with football, and we will be having our our special guest we'll be talking to is uh, in, in just a few moments. We'll be talking to football uh, sapien owner and NFL uh, draft analyst John Douglas Vogel. Uh, he will be joining us in a little bit, and we'll, we'll talk about, obviously, the draft. We'll talk about what he, his thoughts of some of these trades uh, that happened in the last couple of days. I'm sure he has his own thoughts to the Russell Wilson trade. And obviously, Khalil Mack, story came out today that he was traded to the uh, L.A. Chargers. And what does this do, uh, again, to that division that we were talking about, arguably the best division in football. I, I mean, you add Khalil Mack to the Chargers, which is a loaded defense as it is. I, I know the second half of the season, their defense played like crap, but you, you, you still have Joey Bosa there. And now you're adding a guy like Khalil Mack, and, and, and you have um, Derwin James and, and all the different uh, def- different defensive players that they have over there. Now, now Ingram's not there anymore. Ingram went to Pittsburgh uh, last year and then obviously went to Kansas City. So uh, he's no longer there. But this defense is loaded from top to bottom, and, and they still have a lot of money in free agency. They could still add another player or two to the free agent from the free agency market. Their offensive line is, is, is fairly good, especially adding, uh, what's his name again Slater. in the draft? Slater, who I thought was one of the best offensive linemen in the league last year as a rookie. And, and they have one of the best running games. They have uh, a dynamic wide receiving core now that they signed Williams and Allen there. I mean, this is this is a really good team. And I think arguably one of the most or the most talented team on paper in the NFL. I've always bashed the Chargers for the in-game stuff, but I always thought their GM, Telesco, was a very good drafter and money manager. Outside of Melvin Gordon, who they lost in that 2019, that was kind of an ugly uh, breakup, I guess you want to say, even put it that way. We knew the Chargers and the Spanos family have been notoriously cheap in terms of keeping their players, but the Chargers have done a better job at that in terms of keeping their players. They signed Mike Williams, $20 million a year, definitely a little risky for somebody who's injury-prone, but Williams was the best uh, best receiver for Herbert last year and still has a lot of upside, still young and a big body guy that they haven't had since Vincent Jackson. So I think they're getting a little bit more of a, a organizational stability too. And that's always been something that's been an issue, even with talented players and a lot of good quarterback talent, especially too. And now they're going to have that with Herbert as well. Now they still need probably a little more with the middle of the field of that defense. Their run defense was was bad last year with the second worst in the league. Again, one interior defensive tackle and maybe a linebacker could definitely help that kind of thing too. And if they only traded, they only traded a second and a sixth round pick. I was just about to say that. They gave up nothing for Khalil Mack. Look what Chicago had to give up to add Khalil Mack from the, uh, at, the at that point, the Oakland Raiders. So, I, I mean, it was an absolute Deal. They obviously took the contract over, which I think has another three years left to that deal. Yeah, but and the Chargers can afford that, and he's going to want an extension if he has a good year this coming year. And I, as well as he deserves it. I mean, Khalil Mack has been one of the best pass rushers in the league for the last five years. Uh, he's he's to me, uh, besides Aaron Donald, I I don't, I don't think there's uh, many players that you can compare to him. Besides oh, T.J. Watt, probably yeah, is the yeah, other one, so, too, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, T.J. Watt this year. He, he well, the last have, three years he's been like that. No, T.J. Ma- Watt had his, his unbelievable year this year. T.J. Watt last year, I think he had 15, 16 sacks. Yeah, yes, but Khalil Mack, uh, say whatever you want, Khalil Mack has been one of the best pass rushers in the last five or six years. And, and like I said, the only person that I in the five or six-year span that I could compare him to is Aaron Donald. But 
when you heard this trade, what does this do for the Chargers? Well, it does a lot of things for the Chargers. It really solidifies their defense. They now they need to find a run stopping uh, defender, uh, defensive tackle, a nose tackle in this year's draft. There's a ton of them that they could get in the first round. I think they're drafting at 17. 17. Yeah. And and we were talking about Davis. If somehow Davis falls to 17, uh, you're adding. Arguably one of the best uh, run-stopping. You heard Jeff yesterday. He talked. He talked about Davis as fast as he is. He ran a he ran a forty of four four point seven eight, and, and and he's three hundred and forty pounds. He could run through a truck. I mean, this guy. So and, and the speed and the unbelievable agility that this kid has. You put him on that defensive line with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. I, I mean, it's ridiculous what this Charger team. And and to me, I told you what the. the Adding Khalil Mack, I could say that the Chargers are my dark horse already going into next season. Now, obviously, the Chargers have their bad luck, and and, and I know we had what's his name again, the uh, MVP voting guy on the show, Shots, and yeah. he, he he spoke very high praise of Justin Herbert. I like Justin Herbert, but in the second half of the season, even though his numbers showed not there was no dipping to his numbers. I still saw that Justin Herbert against some of the bad teams like the Texans, like the the Baltimore Ravens, he did not play well against those teams. And 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 he has had problems against good pass rushing teams. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not going to get better. He got better. He's been in the league for 2 years. He's got he, his first year his rookie season to his second year. I think he was rookie of the year if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, uh he's gotten better and better and better every single year. And I, again, I think with the Chargers, they have so much depth. Even their special teams is one of the best in the league. So what they need to do is now, being that their coach is going into his second year, they want to see growth. They fell apart from the first half of the season. They were one of the more uh, fun defenses to watch all the way in the second half where they were giving up 40 points against the Texans. Okay, so, I mean, the Chargers are in a division where it, it it's it's going to be a very hard you know division to win, and, and with Kansas City coming back next year, and they're going to have a weaker team because they're going to lose players because they can't afford players with some of the contracts they just franchised Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they're going to extend him because he's going to want a lot of money, and I don't know if they have the yeah, money. Yeah, he might have to prove a little more this uh, year. Also, they gave Patrick Mahomes the five hundred million dollar contract the the uh, the other off season, and then Las Vegas has got a lot of money, and their their team that has some really good young players and some really good players. Their defense really developed last year. Now you have Josh McDaniels. Uh, Derek Carr is still there. Uh, they, they made the playoffs last year. And then there's the Denver Broncos now. The Russell Wilson Denver Broncos. They're stacked defensively, and they have a ton of weapons where I, I think obviously losing Noah Font absolutely hurts them. But uh, like we were saying yesterday, Russell Wilson's not a guy that likes to throw to tight ends. So, even though I think uh, Noah Font going to Seattle, that's going to benefit whoever goes there as their quarterback, I, I do believe that the Broncos are going to be a dangerous team too. So this, to me, is the best division in football. We were talking about last year, the San Francisco division being the best division in fo- of football. Now Seattle, <laughs> Not anymore with Seattle. <laughs> now Seattle taking some, you know, a lot of steps back. I, I believe even giving Jamal Adams the money that they gave him last offseason, I would try to move on from Jamal Adams if he could. He wants to be a Cowboy, but the Cowboys don't have enough money to get him. <laughs> I mean, unless they trade away two or three or four other pieces. Right. So, he's not going to the Cowboys, but why bring him back? DK Metcalf has been on the trade block for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So, maybe DK Metcalf. Uh, so, there, there are so many ways. And now Bobby Wagner's a free agent. Right. You know? <laughs> 
Uh, Jeff says AFC East is the best division. How could it not be when you have Zach Wilson? Carl says Chargers coach runs games like he's playing Madden. And Bron- uh, Jeff says Broncos still the worst team in that division. I don't think so. Uh, how could you say they're the worst team in that division? Now you add Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson's 100% healthy with some of the weapons that they have, they didn't utilize those offensive weapons the last couple of years because right. look who they had. They had Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy's a good quarterback, but he's not a great. He's not. A, he's an efficient quarterback, but he's not a superstar quarterback. You're talking about Russell Wilson, a top-five quarterback when healthy in the league. He can make every single throw. And I, and before he got hurt, before he hurt his finger, and Speedy, shut that off. Jeff, call back after our guest. We have a guest coming up soon. Um, if, if what was I saying? Because Rudy, you know, Rudy... You were talking about the Broncos' talents, yes. yeah. Uh, Williams, and now Williams, who played very well last year, who I was, I thought was one of the best offensive uh, rookies last year. I, I think that going into the year with the running game that they have and the offensive ability that they have with Russell Wilson, it's going to op- open up so many you know, holes that we saw uh, the Broncos have that they weren't efficient in, especially with a defensive-minded coach last year. So I, I think it's going to be... Really, really fun to watch, and and especially when the schedules come out and we see how the schedules are set up for next year. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to football sapien owner and NFL draft analyst John Douglas Vogel here on the Sports Lab Mounts. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we are the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. You can call us at 631-672-3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out all our stories, our great, great stories. Uh, we have a bunch of new ones that came out by some of the interns that we have. Uh, fantastic, fantastic stories. Uh, must read. If you guys are big sports fans, go check it out. Go download our app. It's free, guys. It is a free app. You can watch our shows live, watch the replays, whatever that you've missed. And by the way, we just broke 920,000 downloads on Apple Podcast. Uh, we're moving towards a million. It's It's been a great run for some of the great shows that we have on our network, including this one, which has been the number one. And I'm not saying this just to, to blow, toot our horns, uh, but this has been the number one show on our network for the last three years. So, uh, And by the way, our guest is ready to join us. We are now talking to football sapien owner and NFL draft analyst, John Douglas Vogel. What's going on, John? Not a lot tonight, guys, but that's kind of a lie because the NFL has been insane the last three days, but... For now, nothing. So just going to sit here and talk some ball with you guys and try to uh, enjoy this, hopefully spread some knowledge about the game. And stuff. Absolutely, especially. And, and, and while you're on it, probably some other crazy trade will happen in the NFL, and we'll be like, oh, <laughs> uh, we didn't expect that one. But uh, it's been crazy. The last 48 to 72 hours have been absolutely nuts. And, and this is what you want. You want to see the NFL. You want to see these crazy moves. You want to see guys like Russell Wilson and Khalil Mack, two big, huge superstars, go to somewhere, go to another team in, in the same division that could transition and change the aspects of the AFC. So before we get into that, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your company, uh, Sa- uh, Football Sapien. 
Yeah, so Football Sapient started, I was working with uh, the Brawl Network, Rest in Peace, so I generally uh, referred to them. It was a fun little travel adventure. Um, we had some really good opportunities to work with some people like, uh, you know, Jeff Bridges, who was a longtime scout in the league and some, uh, Jose Jefferson at the CGS college Creator and showcase. And so we, that was a really good opportunity for us. Um, it, at least as you know, young writers to grow, get some contacts and really start talking with some people that re- do this a lot. And, uh, that kind of went down with uh some of the ownership issues and you know everybody kind of jumped ship and i realized it was happening and i was like i need a place to write so i started football sapient as kind of like a you know backdoor kind of thing and i started seeing my numbers uh just from posting stuff you know i was going on a deployment so i was already kind of on a hiatus from uh the from the brawl network and i saw my numbers i was getting i was like wow people read my stuff are you crazy is this is this insane Hmm. but uh so we've just kind of grown from there. We're about to hit 300,000, you know, uh, viewers over the last, I want to say nine months since I've launched it. Um, so wow. I think it's a pretty good start considering all things. Mm. And we just kind of started rolling into a lot of transfer portal stuff. We mostly do a lot of NFL draft scouting and basically anything to really, you know, teach people about what's actually going on on the field. Talk a little bit more in depth about strategy about how you evaluate talent, how you look at different things. And, you know, we've gotten the opportunity to get some really good people on there, too, to join us. We are talking to football sapien owner and NFL draft analyst John Douglas Vogel. So why don't we get into, first, the draft, then we'll talk about these crazy trades and how how this completely can change the offseason and moving into the new season of 2022 and 2023. Um, What did you think about the combine? I mean, the fastest combine when it comes to wide receivers, we haven't – I mean, most of those wide receivers were running a 4-4 or 4-3 or 4-2. It was absolutely ridiculous how fast these wide receivers were. And we had a load of draft experts come on our show and tell us that this draft doesn't really have as much talent as it did last year, which I thought was a crock. Um, And then even the corners, even the corners, they were absolutely lightning fast. And then we have a defensive nose tackle, defensive tackle, uh, running. He's 340 pounds and runs a 4.78. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. What did you think at the combine? What did you think about the combine? What really stuck out to you out of all the different players running in it? Well, so first off, I think the first thing that kind of stood out was how you said you had draft analysts come on and say there's not much talent, mm-hmm. as much talent in this class as last year. That's a that's that's not true at all. This is honestly one of the most loaded draft classes that we've seen. We're going to be seeing guys that normally go the third round, even the second, possibly slide into the fourth, fifth, and sixth. You know, because there's so much talent at just you look at the uh, cornerback group in specific. That's very very deep. When you look at the defensive end group that's very very deep the defensive tackles wide receivers you know offensive line in general right now is very deep this is a ridiculously deep class and the league was kind of preparing for this you know over the last year you know if you watch the draft you saw a lot of trades involving 2022 draft picks and that's why because they knew this was going to be a loaded class and they knew the value would be there and they could get a lot of really good guys late so uh, in terms of top end talent, in terms of guys that you normally have going in the top five, that's not some that's it's not a loaded class. This is some these are a bunch of guys that would normally go in the 10, 15, 20 range that we're looking at taking in the top five and kind of outside with the exception of Kyle Hamilton. Um, we're kind of sitting there going, 
we'd like to trade down, but there's nobody to trade up for. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have that quarterback in this class that everybody wants. You don't have two or three of them. You don't have any. So I guess from that standpoint, you could say it's not loaded. But no, this is a very deep class, and especially if you're looking for positional groups. The Combine, it's very, very fun. I got the chance to go to Indianapolis. It was my first time down there or up there for me, I guess. Um, it, it was a it's it's an experience because you you see how the league kind of operates. You see people walking around, you know, that work for teams that you know you've watched on television. You're sitting in bars, you know. I was sitting there probably for 15 minutes trying to place Greg Williams, uh-huh. you know, and he's just hanging out sitting in the bar. But you just that you kind of get used to it the week that you're there. You, you're going to run into people no matter where you go; they're everywhere. So you mentioned uh, uh, trading, accumulating the draft picks for this draft because of the top talent and with the trenches especially. Can you see scenarios where teams still trading into the first round as a result of that, especially those teams that do have the multiple picks? A hundred percent. And it's because once you get past the first few picks in this class, there's a lot of guys that are worth the value there. You Because know, when you're talking about value and draft trades, you're usually looking at positional value. You know, how, how much does this player impact your team? How ready is he? And from a top end, you know, we had all the quarterbacks that you normally trade up for. They went in the last class. You know, they declared early where you wouldn't would have normally had a couple guys without the COVID year that would have sat, but or played this in the college this past year. But anyways, um, no, it's a it's been a great. It's there's going to be people trading up, and they're going to trade back into the first round. There's going to be a lot of trades still. We've I mean we're already seeing that with the market as it is, and. It's because there is there is a lot of talent that can go in that 15, 20, 25 range that people are going to be jumping up trying to get into. As everybody knows, we are talking to football sapien owner and NFL draft analyst John Douglas Vogel. Yeah, we we talk about uh, so many different things when it came to going into this uh, combine, and we talk about the three top prospects, and we talk about Evan Neal, who some people believe that he might actually dip because of two two of the offensive linemen that had a very good combine who and Evan Evan Neal actually didn't run the combine he will be doing his pro day and then Thibodeau who ever he came out and said that he will be running and doing the th- and doing all the different things at the combine and then all of a sudden at the combine uh, decide not to do anything didn't run his 40 didn't do anything the cone play anything and then it was Hutchinson that showed up and did very very well what stood out out of all the all the different things you heard about these three guys not showing up the combine and deciding to go do with a pro day and then the the one guy that did show up and actually showed off his talent so Evan Neal uh in his scenario there's two reasons why you would drop out uh the combine and, and elect to go to a pro day so the idea of a pro day is that it's going to be more controlled you're going to have more you know, say over the narrative that comes out, you're gonna have more control over the numbers per se. It's more familiar to you, so you can, in theory, perform better. So Neil was either one worried about his numbers and how he would test, or two, someone in the in the top, preferably probably the top pick, already told him, "Hey, we're gonna take you at number one." So leaning, looking at his size and looking at his body and seeing what he. You know how he came in looking. He's 340 pounds. He does not look 340 pounds. He looks like a maybe a, a really good 310. So he's got room to put on his frame at 6'7". He has the experience playing right tackle, left tackle, left guard at Alabama, played guard in high school as well. So you have a four-position guy. He doesn't have too much to prove, so I don't think he's worried too much about his numbers. I am thinking that somebody, and the word on the street around Indianapolis was the Jags are going to take him number one. Mm-hmm. Now – 
that comes into play with the whole you know franchise tag. They just franchise tagged uh, Cam Robinson, who's the left tackle there. And in theory, that still works into their game plan because he's a, he can play four positions across the offensive line, you know. And you don't have any guarantees that you're going to keep Cam Robinson past this year. You franchise tagged him to hold on to him and try to get that transitional phase. So in theory, you could move Neil to the, to the right tackle or left guard, whichever one you think you need, mm-hmm. and move him over to left tackle and let Cam walk next year. But So I don't think he was worried about numbers. I think he wanted to control his narrative a little bit more. Thibodeau, nobody's worried about Thibodeau. There's a lot of people in the media that are, you know, up in arms about him opting out. He has nothing to prove. He's been a professional since he was 15 years old. You know, uh, he negotiated a deal with a high school to get to play high school. And, you know, that worked out for not just him, but his family. And he's had that kind of mentality for the last six, seven years. Nobody's worried about him. You don't think out. he's going to dip because of everything that you've heard over the last couple of days? A- absolutely not. And I, I think it's because of his talent. When you talk about a, a guy that is a – in this class, as an edge rusher, someone who could potentially be a top five guy that's Kayvon Thibodeau, 100%. He needs to work on his hands a little bit more and refine some of his technique, especially when he's engaging. Um, but part of his you know, development, the issue with it was he moves around different positions so much at Oregon, it's difficult for him to work on the you know, technique when you're jumping to defensive tackles, a three-tech or a four-eye. Or, and then you're moving outside back to the edge and dropping into pass coverage. Right. You know, so he didn't work on some of that stuff. Nobody's worried about him. I, I spoke with multiple people on Sunday, you know, just walking around Indianapolis with multiple different teams mm-hmm. and, you know, asked like, hey, is this everybody's making a big deal out of this? Is this a big deal to you? And nobody's worried about it. Hutchinson, um, I don't think he's going to get past number two. Mm-hmm. And it's it's more so a fit. He fits Detroit so well. That if the Jaguars don't take him at one, which I think that's where the books have him going as number one right now. If they don't take him at number one. They're going offensive line. Absolutely going offensive line. Oh, uh, I, I 100% agree. Yeah. And the Giants the Giants love uh, Icky and Ogley. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's that's who they love. That's, that's but I also that's heard awesome. the Jets really like him, too. So, uh, it, it, sitting at four, I've been hearing rumors that the Giants might trade with the Jets and, and go from five to four. Uh, to get the guy that they want. Uh, and- I, def- I definitely think that they're looking forward, you know, to, with some of the people that I've spoken with, they're definitely looking to move forward. Mm-hmm. And whether that's with the Jets, whether that's with the Texans, right. one or the other, mm-hmm. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a big trade, and it will probably happen on draft night once we see how of the course. board falls. Of course. So one of the guys that's listed as a top overall prospect of one of those guys, but again, downgraded position value is Kyle Hamilton. We've seen a lot of these safeties do it in recent years. Derwin James was thought of as a top five prospect, fell to 17. Um, Malik Hooker, Landon Collins. A He's couple... better than all of those guys. Right. I, yeah, very much could be. But still, the, the positional value because of that is still diminishing as a result. Do you, do you see a team breaking the trend for them like Kyle Hamilton? How early do you think he could go because of that? And do you think he's the kind of player that still could go as a result and maybe be a trendsetter? You know, this is something that we've been, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, not, I mean, just, I recorded a podcast before I came on here. That'll be out tomorrow. Um, you know, like this is something that, that that's really actually something to talk about because there's no prospect in this class that's better than Kyle Hamilton right now. Mm-hmm. And if you want to talk, if there is a generational prospect in this class, if there is just one, you know, if you had to point to some guy and say, that's a guy that I'm going to bet on being, you know, like a hall of famer, you're going to point at Kyle Hamilton because we've never seen a safety with his size and his movement ability and his versatility. You can play him as a linebacker. You can play him down the box. 
you could play him out of the slot. You play him as a free or strong. Doesn't matter. He's going to play and he's going to do it well. So, yeah, there is the whole concern about him being a safety and that's going to kind of hold him back. Um, I, I personally wouldn't expect to see him fall past the fourth pick overall. And that'd be the New York Jets, assuming they don't trade back. And that's just because, again, it's one of those classes where these guys going in the top are not typically guys that you're taking. They're not the types of players that you're taking in the top five. Mm. So whether the Jets hold on to their fourth pick or whether they move out and somebody moves up, they're going to be going after Kyle Hamilton. I don't think he gets out of the out of the top five. If if you see Kyle Hamilton over there and Kayvon Thibodeau, you, you still think Kyle Hamilton will go to the Jets instead of uh, – the Jets need pass no. rushers. The- uh, so – the, ed- the problem with the Jets and the edge rushing position right now is the fact that they just paid John Myers Franklin, right? That's his name, I think. John Franklin yeah, but Myers. He, just, he's a defense- yeah, year. but he's a defensive uh, – a, D- a DT. He's a de- he's, he's- yeah, no, he really is, but he's yeah. he's slotted in that DN spot. And then, you know, you, you're, you're deep right there right now. Mm-hmm. So if you want to add a guy like that, I guess you could kind of look at him as a move-around kind of pro- – like you could, you know, trade value with some of the guys that you already have. Um, but – Honestly, like it's just the irony of the position that they're in because the reason they have two first round picks is because they just moved Jamal Adams a couple of years ago to the Seahawks. That's why they're here. So why wouldn't you replace the top guy in your class like ever, you know, like that we've seen coming out as a safety as a prospect? Like there's he's way better than Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is a box safety. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So why wouldn't you replace use one of those picks to replace him and use your other pick? You're still in the top ten, assuming that you don't move down or anything. You've got you've got a really good position to get somebody really good on that edge too, like Trayvon Walker, for example. If you needed a, an edge rusher, Trayvon Walker is an incredible edge rusher coming out of Georgia. That a lot of people were, I don't, I'm not buying it, but people were trying to kind of say, hey, he might go before Kayvon. Mm-hmm. No, I don't necessarily buy that. We are talking to football sapien owner and NFL draft analyst John Douglas Vogel. I, and it, it's so interesting because we, we go up and down the, the different players and, and the unique players in this year's draft. And some of the unique names, Sauce uh, Gardner, who everybody thinks could be the best corner in this year's draft. And Stingley, Stingley who, who was awesome in his freshman year but has not stayed healthy uh, with the COVID-19 and obviously his injury early in this season. He, he didn't play at all this year. So out of all the corners going into this draft, who stands out the best and and who do you believe will be the next generational type of corner coming out of this year's draft class? So you said cor- you're saying corner corners, right? yes, DB. Okay, yeah. Yes. So yeah, Derek Stingley's had his issues this year. Um, I mean, not just this year, but the past couple of years with injuries, and you know his tape hasn't looked as good as the 2019. But there is no better tape than 20 than in this corner class than what he did on 2019. Like they, it's insane what he did that year. And I think you can kind of point to some of the issues being with the defensive changes that LSU ran. You know, they lost Dave Aranda as their defensive coordinator. He went to Baylor right after the national championship. They fired the defensive coordinator. I can't remember his name. God bless him. In 2020, he was awful. And you did, and then you got hurt in 2021, and that mm-hmm. kind of held you out. So I think that there are, you know, some there's some variables in play to why Stingley's performance dropped, but even still, you know, even if those are down years for Stingley with what he just did, they're, that's what you want in a corner. He still played very well outside of maybe the UCLA game week one. Um, 
in this past year. Now, I think he's by far, it's not even close, he's the best corner in the class. Is he going to be the first corner off the board? That's still kind of up for debate right now, just because the injuries normally push guys like him down the board. He's had He's been injured the last couple of years, missed a lot of games. In mm-hmm. fact, I think he's only played 11 games in the last, maybe 10 in the mm-hmm. last two, two years. Very few games. And yep. then the 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 uh the play the drop off in the play is going to pat is going to hurt him a little bit so you have a guy like sauce gardner who's probably going to move up if there's going to be a corner that goes before him it'll probably be him um but if we're talking best corner i think andrew booth jr darian kendrick is in that range right now as the top corner guys that could that are they're going to play better uh, i just actually published an article uh, yesterday, I believe it, it was a concern about the length of corners and the height playing into a, their performance on the field in terms of man coverage, because this is a man coverage driven league right now that we're becoming in, in the NFL. Offenses right now can manipulate and attack zone defenses in ways that the NFL cannot defend currently. And so everybody likes to play man. It's the best way, best chance that you have. Um, outside of a few teams like the 49ers and the Seahawks still try to kind of hang on to the zone, the Detroit Lions, so on and so forth. Now, the issue with guys that get tall like that, like, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", so Sauce Gardner, Tariq Woolen, um, those kind of guys that are trying to project into that cornerback position is that they don't, don't get their pad level quite low enough to react because being a defender, it's good to have athleticism, but you really want to have reaction reactionary mm-hmm. athleticism because so you're reacting to what the receiver's doing and you're trying to minimize the separation he's creating. And so because of that, I do have concerns with sauce Gardner because his technique wasn't entirely great. He faced very little competition and yeah, you can point to the, the Alabama game where Alabama ran the same three routes against him the entire game, running a very vanilla offensive package. So I'm kind of leaning toward Andrew Booth Jr. or Darian Kendrick kind of being, if, if yeah. it's not going to be Stingley, Stingley doesn't pan out because of injuries, and it'll be the best corner. So you mentioned a lot of the, uh, you mentioned not facing the competition for somebody like Sauce Gardner. Uh, it, as In general, we've seen a lot of these smaller school prospects rise. You were talking about Gardner from Cincinnati, Trevor Penning, another guy like that. They seem to be higher up in rankings a lot more than usual that we've seen in this, in this year's draft. Do you do you have a particular reason of why you think that is as a result? And do you think the trend will start being more that way? Or like you were saying with Garner, do you think it'll still be more of they haven't faced the competition? It might not be as easy for them to adjust. So the reason that we're kind of seeing that is because if you look at last year, uh, the last year draft, because the FCS did not play during the normal regular season, they opted to play in the spring. Um, a lot of guys that normally would have come out, didn't and took the extra year of eligibility and now all those guys are coming so we're really looking at two years worth of fcs talent entering into the draft um, and lower level guys so i think that's the reason for it i think that you're going to see you're going to continue to see significantly less um in the future Mm -hmm. that's not to say i mean there's some of these hbcu uh, like the hbcu legacy bowl that just started this year that was you know sponsored by patrick mahomes and Jameis Winston and some other top end guys in the league. And you have the HBCU combine that the senior bowl is now holding too, which is ahead of the, uh, it's right up right before the senior bowl. It's that weekend before 
So I think you might see some more of those guys because they're just simply getting more exposure and we're more aware of them. Um, but in terms of, I don't think it's going to be a particular trend. No, I think it's, we're just seeing two years worth of these guys in one class. We are talking to football sapien owner and NFL draft analyst, John Douglas Vogel. Let's get into uh, obviously the trades and, and, and the one that really stood out. First of all, let's talk about the Aaron Rodgers thing, because I think the whole Aaron Rodgers thing was held up because uh, there were stories coming out that he was interested in going to Tennessee. Then it was uh, obviously uh, the Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator, uh, Nathaniel um, Hackett. Hackett, goes over there to the Broncos. A lot of people thought that's where he was headed uh, with possibly new ownership and everything that is going on in the offseason with that organization, with all the, the pieces that they have over there. They're ready to win now. And, and, and it, it wasn't surprising to me that Aaron Rodgers signs that $200 million contract, and then a couple hours later, you hear Russell Wilson gets traded over there because I think the Broncos were waiting for Aaron Rodgers to make a decision on where he was going, and I, I think they really believed that if he was leaving Green Bay, he was going to the Broncos. What were your thoughts uh, when you heard that Aaron Rodgers got $50 million a year, signed a four-year extension, uh, and, and to me, uh, he's the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. Were you surprised that he got that kind of money? Were you surprised that he re-signed with the Green Bay Packers after all the things that you heard, especially at his MVP uh, ceremony when he, he was thanking everybody and thanking the fans? Uh, it, it seemed like he was on his way out. Absolutely. So um, I was surprised that he got the money that he did. I think that was the first shocking thing. Now, I don't. We don't know what the exact numbers are because he did say that those numbers were inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that means he got more or if he got less. So they're but, saying about fifty million a year. A hundred. I think it was a hundred in. Uh, 136 or 140 million dollars guaranteed, and yeah, it was an yeah. absurd number. Yeah. Which you know he's going to be what 42, 43 at the end of that contract. So yes. I doubt he plays it through. Mm-hmm. I think it was kind of like a hey, we're going to lock you up. We're going to make sure that you're a Green Bay Packer for the rest of your career, which is good. It's that's you know it's good for an organization to hang on to a guy like that. That's been that's meant so much to your franchise. I think that's good. Um, now, in terms of the Russell Wilson, from what I understand, this is something that they were working out in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. like this, these trade details. And it was because they were somehow made aware that they were that Rodgers was going to stay in Green Bay mm-hmm. and he was now off the board and off the market. So this is something that's been in the works. And mm-hmm. with the amount of assets that just got moved, I think that's probably more accurate because you're not just going to call up, you know, John Schneider in Seattle and be like, hey, I'm going to give you all this for – Russell Wilson, is that okay? And he's going to be like, yeah, you're, that's something you're going to work out over a couple of weeks. So it's definitely been in the works for a while. Who do you think won that trade? Oh, man. So I know that uh, it's Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And you're getting Russell Wilson a fourth-round pick. But mm, I think it kind of depends how Seattle fixes their quarterback situation because I, I would be very surprised to see them go with Drew Locke mm-hmm. at this point uh, with everything that we know. Oh, you don't Drew like Locke Geno Smith? Come on, man. Gino, the Bambino, if you know what I mean. He yeah, so <laughs> Gino's kind of like a Gino's kind of like a one or two games. If you have to play him because of an injury, that's who you're okay with him. But mm-hmm. no, no, that's a long time start is. But it, uh, Drew Locke, we're not really sure of either. You know, like uh, I think uh, Jim Nagy, the Senior Bowl director, was talking him up a little bit, kind of saying the change of scenery would be really good. Denver mm-hmm. wasn't ideal for him. Um, 
hopefully that's the case, but I don't think that's who they're going to stick with. And there's still a lot of movement to come in this quarterback market. I think they're rebuilding, and I, I think they're going to trade away pieces. I, I, I don't think they're going to expect uh, a quarterback to become available from them uh, when it comes to veterans uh, this offseason. Mm-hmm. I also don't believe that they're going to draft a quarterback in this year's class. I think they're going to wait until next year where they have two first-round draft picks, and if they like a particular quarterback, a.k.a. the Alabama quarterback, or who's the other kid? C.J. Stroud, another one. Yeah, yeah the yeah, other kid. Ohio State. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they could decide, you know what, uh, if they're drafting at, let's say, they're drafting at 7 and they're drafting, or they're drafting at 5 and 12, and they want that quarterback, they can trade those two those two uh, picks and move up to the number one pick and get the quarterback that they really, really want. So I, I, I don't think it, it this necessarily uh, necessarily is going to be a winning season for them. I think it's going to be a really bad season for Seattle. Uh, this is Pete Carroll's last year. I expect Pete Carroll to retire after this year, and then they bring in a new quarterback, a new a new GM, and a new coach, and and change the organization around. That's what I believe. It's, I think that's a very fair point, honestly. Um, it's not one that I considered in time. I mean, I know that you know they cut Bobby Wagner, and that was really to free up $16 million, which kind of sounds like they were looking to make a splash in free agency. Mm-hmm. So I am not sure if it's a rebuild coming up or not yet. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when, With the quarterback market the way it is, I can't help but wonder if they're going to try to make a run at somebody like, let's say, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, for example, mm-hmm. and that's a division rival. They're trying to move him. And so you're probably going to have to pay a little bit of a higher price to get him. Mm. But if you look at Pete Carroll quarterbacks over the last, you know, going back to his USC days, mm-hmm. he inherited Carson Palmer, but he had a lot of middling arm ball distributors, basically. Please don't talk um, about Matt Leinart because uh, he was a horrible NFL player. He really was, especially when Arizona drafted him. He, he was and that's – and so you hit Matt Leinart, Matt Barkley. That He had that style mm-hmm. of quarterback, and that's what he ran. And mm-hmm. when he, if you remember, when he came to Seattle, it was year two. They were – the plan was to run with Matt Flynn. Mm. And they paid Matt Flynn starter-type money. Oh, I remember that. And mm-hmm. Russell Wilson just was this third-round pick that was a developmental guy that, you know, that – ended up becoming the guy mm-hmm. and was the much better player. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at what Pete Carroll kind of wants in his quarterback, somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo would make a lot of sense. They also had Tavares Jackson on that team too, who started a couple of years yeah. with the Vikings. So, so. It's crazy. Uh, it's before, crazy when you think about that team. Yeah, before I get to my question, I'm just going to read some of Jeff's comments. Uh, Evan Neal, he thinks, is going number one. Probably. If you, if you think Kyle Hamilton is a generational talent, don't you worry the Jets will ruin him. <laughs> Sauce is the boss, and Sauce didn't allow a touchdown in his entire he college career. He hates the Jets. Career. He's a Patriot fan, so don't listen to him. So my question is referring to the whole landscape of the quarterbacks. As a result, you're kind of seeing these quarterbacks have a lot of power now within their organizations and – and mm-hmm. demanding out or demanding certain things like Kyler Murray was doing with that letter that he wrote. And now it seems like that resolved a little. But do you think the NFL is eventually going to transform themselves kind of not necessarily to the level of the NBA with all the player power, but something not far behind with a lot of these top players? I think it really you, – you, you look at the quarterback position and how that has impacted teams going to the Super Bowl. You know, um, there, there's not a lot of – quarterbacks that you can point to that have been able to get their team to the Super Bowl without being, you know, a top 10, top 15 guy. And then to win it, you have to have that. And so I think that there is, there is going to, there is some power, some leverage that they have in terms of getting their contracts and getting what they want and different things from the franchise. 
are they going to hit an NBA level? I hope not. It would be very difficult to to maneuver through off seasons with. But I mean, if it comes to that, then sure. Like that's the most important guy on the offense. You know, that's who you're going to you need this guy to win a Super Bowl. Last question for me. As everybody knows, we are talking to football sapient owner and NFL draft analyst John Douglas Vogel. With all the trades and all the d- different trades that could happen in the next couple of days uh, or, or next couple of weeks, um, with the Chargers landing a guy like Khalil Mack, do you think that the Chargers uh, right now going into this th- this offseason and going into the, the new season, do you think they're the team, they're the most talented team and the team to beat now adding a guy like Khalil Mack to that defense? Well, the team that you have to beat is – you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. Right I now. think they're going to be a lot worse next year. I, I Remember, they spent a lot of money. They gave, obviously, their quarterback a ton of money the year before that. And they're going to lose some big pieces. They're going to possibly lose the Honey Badger. He might be going uh, in free agency. I don't know mm-hmm. if they're going to be able to yep. re-sign him. They did, they did franchise Brown. Uh, but if Brown doesn't get that, that extension, he'll be gone next year, too. So uh, this team could be... Really, we talk about how good they are. They could—I wouldn't say rebuilding, but they—they're going to try to. They're going to have to try to fill in those spots where they don't have the money to fill in those those spots that they've had for all these these years because they had a affordable quarterback. Yeah, and that, that's a fair point too. But that's the thing: is the quarterback on this team, you know, and he still has his weapons. He still has Tyree Kill running down the field, who had a bad plays. season. He had a bad season this year. He did have a bad season. And a lot of that was, you know, the usage at the beginning of the year, you know, where they were just very lazy with their schemes and almost kind of expecting Mahomes to lead them to victory. But he still has his weapons. You know, Travis Kelsey, you still got a pretty good running back group, too. You've got your offensive line is entrenched. That's going to get better next year because you had two rookies starting. So. I think the Chiefs are still the team to beat. As long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are there together, that's going to be very difficult. I do think that the Chargers have an excellent chance at pushing that envelope. You also have to deal with the Denver Broncos. You know, the Broncos. And the Las Vegas Raiders, too. Yeah, and that's the Raiders are kind of looking at dealing, you know, Derek Carr right now, supposedly. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then I don't know what their plan is. But unless they're just trying to tank and get that number one pick next year, get somebody like Bryce Young. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, it it I would say that the Broncos were a quarterback away from being a very very dangerous team, and they have that quarterback now, mm. and they are loaded on both sides of the ball, and I, that's concerning too. So that conf that division in general is best just division be in football. Insane. Mm-hmm. It's it's not even close. I think we just we ran a, a guest article uh, with at Scotty the King, so uh, a Hall of Fame football writer. Scott Engel is his name. So we uh, we ran an article with him, and when he initially ran it, he had the NFC West listed as the best division in football. And as soon as the Russell Wilson trade came through, I got these, hey, can you edit this real quick and revise this? And it was removing that line, you know, from from the article. But that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. Adding Khalil Mack just has made this division insane. Mm-hmm. All right, last question, uh, not NFL-related. Your college, you see you got a Tennessee shirt on there. So mm-hmm. uh, for their football team, Josh Heupel now hired as the head coach recently. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? And also their basketball team. I actually really like them this year. They've beaten a lot of top five teams. How far do you think they could go in the tournament? In the, so the basketball team, I have a bet running with one of my Army buddies. Um, 
it, he's an Auburn fan, and oh. it's on the SEC tournament, mm-hmm. and it's that we will beat them if we play them in the SEC tournament. I think that this is one of the better basketball teams I've watched them play, uh, which has been awesome to see. And they've been building. Rick Barnes has done a great job down there. In terms of the football team, I'm very excited, very optimistic. And that offense last year was absolutely insane. Trying to keep up with, you know, it's not very often that you hear an offensive line coach telling the head coach, you know, nine, 10 plays, hey, my guys are gassed. We need to end this drive now. You know, whether it's a touchdown or a kick, I don't care. Um, that was kind of their mentality, whereas we're going to run so fast and they were snapping plays in 20 seconds or less on most every snap. It was a fun. And then you had the defense with the most tackles for loss in college football. That was great, too. Oh. You know, so the sky is the limit with Tennessee next year. I know it's going to be a tougher division because Georgia's the defending national champ. South Carolina has a bunch of pieces, including Spencer Rattler, that they just got. So that's they're going to oh, be tough. God, Kentucky's please. tough. Oh, don't don't bring up Spencer please. Rattler to him. <laughs> One of the most overrated quarterbacks in college football, and everybody thinks that he's him going to Georgia is going to make a difference. Give me a break. Horrible. <laughs> he went to Georgia. He's not even going to be starting for Georgia next year. No, he Rattler went to South Carolina. I'm sorry, South Carolina, but uh, he'll he'll be starting in South Carolina. Yes, he'll sure. be starting, but that's not going to make a difference. He goes to South Carolina. How good is South Carolina going to be? Are they going to be yeah. a Final Four team? I don't think so. They'll be very be very surprised. You'd be very surprised at how good South Carolina is going to be this year. Mm. I was, not, with <laughs> <laughs> not with him. Not with him. I after watching QB one and watching how cocky that kid is and, yeah. and what he thinks he is as a player. It, it, to me, I, I know, understand you have to be cocky. You have to have an ego as a professional athlete or going to be a professional. I, I had an ego. I was a very good hockey player. I was a top-end hockey player uh, in the country when I was 17 years old. I had an ego, but I never had an ego like this kid. His mother has an ego. His father has an ego. His sister has an ego. Uh, his, damn, his damn girlfriend has an ego, okay? <laughs> I, I mean, he's just... He, I don't know what he thinks he is. And by the way, he wasn't even the best player, best quarterback on his high school team. So uh, that was my opinion. So uh, to me, I just think uh, just too cocky of a player. I, I, I'm actually happy he fell apart this year because he was going to be in this year's draft. So there you go. <laughs> uh, what, uh, I, I thank you for actually joining us. I know you're pretty damn busy, and and I and I, I did congratulations by the way hitting three hundred thousand in nine months. It's an unbelievable feat. Thank it really you. is. Thank you. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media, how they can read your stuff. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at uh, DraftVogel and uh, NFLSapien.com, FootballSapien.com. Either one will get you there. Um, that's where we put up all our stuff. We have I just published my mock draft yesterday, my first one of the year. Um, kind of went into a lot of the stuff that we talked about, too, so that was great. But, yeah, pretty much just Twitter. Um, I don't really do Instagram or anything else like that, so. All right. Well, I, I I don't do Instagram either. I have an Instagram. Somebody got on my Instagram, and everybody has a. Everybody keeps telling me you have to have social medias for everybody. If I, I don't need it, I have Twitter. I've been concentrating on Twitter now more than I ever have. I I broke over three thousand. I think I have thirty three hundred uh, followers on Twitter, and they're all. Great sports fans. I got to start posting more things. So they're actually happy. I have some people writing to me. I'm like, why am I following you if you're not posting anything? So 
Uh, but uh, they like the show. They love they love my personality. I don't know why, but they they love the show and they think we're absolutely hilarious. And we we drop a lot of knowledge for them. And uh, definitely, we we really appreciate you joining us. And definitely, stay tuned. Keep listening to us, and uh, we'll be following you. And and we'd love to get you on after the draft and talk about uh, what you thought about the draft uh, after it's all over. Yeah, of course. That sounds great. We were just talking to football sapien owner and NFL draft analyst John Douglas Vogel. Nice kid, knows his stuff. And you want to know something? Uh, to me, when you look at the draft and, and you try to compare and contrast certain players, and, and we were just talking about Hutchinson and we talk about Davis running the, uh, the running the 40 like he did and all the, the different players that we're talking about. And Jeff, who's very knowledgeable, obviously, in you know at the combine and the draft, uh, he he speaks very highly of the kid Davis. I, I just think there are going to be players and and certain people that are going to be drafted in the later rounds that are first round talents, like he like John was saying, uh, that are going to be probably better than some of the first round draft picks that are drafted in this year's draft. So it sensational information. He really is. Uh, we got. I, I really wanted to bring out his personality, but he, he seemed like he was just a pretty. Straightforward guy, knowledgeable but, uh, though, yes, very knowledgeable, absolutely. Um, so, uh, but g- getting back in this Khalil Mack tra- uh, trade, and by the way, Jeff, call the show because I'm sure he's going to have his own thoughts to the Khalil Mack thing. I look at the Khalil Mack move. I, I think that something that the Chargers needed to do to kind of, uh, you know, you know, kind of like meet meet to the Broncos Russell Wilson trade. I, I mean. Khalil Mack is one of the best pass rushers in the league. Russell Wilson's one of the top five best quarterbacks in the league. You add Khalil Mack to the defense, these teams are going to be playing twice twice a year. And with the division the way it is and how it's stacked, that division, it, it, it kind of makes you think uh, Vegas is going to have to make that big move now too. Because Kansas City, like he was saying, like John was saying, Kansas City's right there. Do they bring back the Honey Badger? Uh, a lot of people believe the Honey Badger will resign with them, but – uh, not necessarily if uh, if a team like the Jets or uh, somebody else offers him a significant amount of money uh, to go to their team. So, I, I mean, Kansas City, obviously Patrick Mahomes, they're the favorites. <coughs> but with Broncos getting Russell Wilson and Khalil Mack, and now, uh, you know, Derek Carr could be traded uh, in the next couple of days. Or obviously this team, the, the, the Las Vegas uh, Raiders, who were a playoff team last year with Josh McDaniels and a different type of style of offense and a different style of defense, uh, they could be right in uh, the mix of things too. And there were, you know, I know Jeff doesn't want to admit it. He said it to me on the phone that Tom Brady is throwing the ball. And who's to say that Tom Brady doesn't come out of retirement and play for Vegas? Could you imagine that division with the quarterbacks? You have Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and Tom Brady. Who would have think of that? Might as well have the whole league in that division with the way that they're going, at that, if that's the case. But the Chargers now made themselves a very, very balanced team. I would say they were one of the most balanced rosters in the whole league. When you look at a team like the Bills, you look at a team like the 49ers, that just have, they don't have many holes. The Chargers are now kind of in that mold where they're able to do that. Now, this division is obviously going to come down to, obviously, injuries to some extent, and also who could fill those holes better. Now, the Broncos have a lot of balance, too. Now, like... 
uh, like Lance Sanderson was mentioning yesterday, still have a couple holes on that offensive line and maybe on the defensive line, but they're pretty complete besides that. The Chiefs are kind of more like the Rams, where they have stars, but they have to fill in other holes and try to make it work through rentals. They're going to have to try to make it work through new guys all at once. And that's why maybe they need some level of balance where maybe bringing back Honey Badger at the contract that he's There's no way he's going back there, especially with so many teams looking for safety play, and he could play corner too. Right. So I, I, I think he's on his way out. He's going to want money. But it's also a, an interesting case where because they have a lot still with their front and they have uh, Spagnolo's blitz packages could help aid the secondary. They might be better off going for a little more balance anyway with that kind of thing because their offense, their offensive line they already invested a lot of money into. They still have the stars with their with their skill players. And you saw Andy Reid towards the end of the season really do a good job managing the running back. So I don't think they're going to really have to worry about that. Maybe like a late round pick or something like that. I think they could trust them there. So I think all the money could be spent more with balancing out their defense rather than just trying to trust the one star. Because you saw Frank Clark had an effect on that team when he got there after he was he was suspended. He had all the issues where he got arrested. And then Melvin Ingram when he came in. So they might rely on those types of moves for veterans again where they could trust it in that kind of de- uh, defensive scheme with Spagnuolo. They have some good young players that played well for them last year in the middle of the field, but they still need a lot when it comes to corners, so they might go after corner depth more, uh, at least to have serviceable guys. Look at their Super Bowl team. Bashaw Breeland and Kendall Fuller are both good corners. I-, I wouldn't say either of them are elite corners, but they were good corners. They had balance, and that was missing from that this year, especially against a team like the Bengals who have all that receiving talent. I was very surprised that Khalil Mack, uh, to, for the Chargers to get Khalil Mack, all they had to give up was the second and the sixth. <laughs> Classic I Bears. Mean, I, I mean, honestly, uh, that was an absolute steal because if you look at it, Khalil Mack is is a first round talented, you know, talent uh, when it comes to draft picks. He's now uh, this year, this past year, he didn't have one of those fantastic years. He was also fighting certain injuries. He did play with those injuries, but uh, again, all in all, I, I think Khalil Mack going to the uh, the uh, L.A. Um, L.A. whatever the Chargers. I I want to say San Diego because that's what they are. The San Diego. Yeah, Chargers. you don't need to say L.A. Uh, but they're the L.A. Chargers. I, I think that really solidified. I'm very surprised that a lot of other teams weren't interested in making that move, knowing that Khalil Mack was on the trade block. Why didn't teams like the Jets, who are looking for a pass rusher, a star pass rusher, why didn't the Jets reach out to uh, the Chicago Bears and, and try to make an offer for a second? They have a ton of draft picks. They have Sam Darnold's uh, pick. Maybe you trade Sam the, the second pick that you got from Sam and uh, uh, one of their fifth-round draft picks and, and land them. I, I mean, that's what I would have done. Khalil Mack would have absolutely solidified that defense and, 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 that's, and that front seven, and they would have gotten the pass rusher that they've been craving to have since John Abraham. So I don't understand. And there were other teams that could have went after Khalil oh, sure. Mack. Uh, the uh, the uh, Las Vegas uh, Raiders. Uh, <laughs> Get him back. Nice. <laughs> why not? Uh, Las sure. Vegas Raiders. Sure. Uh, he could have went back over there. Josh McDaniels. Yeah, that would have solidified their defense. If, if you all you had to remember, they got they get they got a lot back. For Khalil Mack, I still think they have a first round draft pick from that trade, didn't they? Or no, no they're, they're done now. They're done. But they had three first round draft picks from Khalil Mack, and I think a third or something like that. They uh, to bring back Khalil Mack, all he had to do was give up a second and, and, and let's say a fifth or a sixth yeah. or something like that. That would have been a steal for Las Vegas. So there were a lot of other teams that could have landed Khalil Mack, and he for for a player of that magnitude to be on the board still, and 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 all you had to give up was a second and a six, an absolute steal for the Chargers. They absolutely won that. Uh, Jeff has arrived. <laughs> Jeff, what's going on, man? 
Speedy, you still picking the, the Broncos to win that division? I'm not sure yet. We'll see on the draft. I, I don't know about winning the division yet. Come I, on, if you picked them last year. This, I this didn't pick them to win the division. The I picked them to make the playoffs, Jeff. Do not twist my and predictions. And they're, and they're still the worst team in that division. Really? You still think they're better? You still think they're worse than the Raiders, talent-wise? Dude, easily. The Raiders had, like, a top-10 defense last year. As soon as they get their shit together on offense, which McDaniels will help them do, that team's going to be motoring, bro. Wow, you trust McDaniels that much, huh? Well, He'll offense. He likes their offense but with Josh Yeah, he's an, he's an offensive guy, right? Like, that's what it is. He's an offensive guy. There's offensive co- – like, if they hired Rex Ryan, I'd have been like, oh, man, their defense is going to be really good. Their defense is already good. Now they're going to have someone who knows offense. Who is They'll the defensive coordinator for uh, Josh McDaniels? Oh, it's uh, it's Patrick Graham. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right, Patrick Graham. He's, he's a pretty known. What are you smiling at? What, what is what's what's so funny? Well, no, I mean, it's more of a shot at the Giants. <laughs> if anything, that's a good move for Josh McDaniels. Patrick. Graham, no, no, it's a great move for the Raiders. <laughs> uh, Patrick Graham that. is a good. He's a four-three, a three-four type of a defense. He can play both. He can coach right. both. And and he's got the weapons that can actually work over there in uh, in, in somewhere in L.A. Well, Las Vegas. I, I hate the these names and the uh, obviously these different teams moving to different cities. I I I always look at the Chargers as San Diego Chargers. I hate call them the L.A. Chargers when there's the L.A. Rams. But uh, go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean the Broncos are still clearly the worst team in that division. Clearly, right. Like, you think Russell Wilson's really going to help him? Well, who's he going to throw to? And before you start naming all their receivers like Judy and Hamler and all those dudes, guess what? Every year they're all hurt. Yes, and that's what's going to have to be, you know, going into this offseason. Are they going to bring in – maybe, you know, being that DK Metcalf is, is, is available, maybe they trade away one of those pieces and, and, and make another trade with uh, a Seattle and bring in one of their – more like a Tyler Lockett or a DK Metcalf uh, and send them to the Broncos because they need somebody that's going to be efficient, that knows – uh, Russell Wilson and how he throws the ball, where he likes the ball. So I, I think you're right, Jeff. I, I mean, these wide receivers can't stay healthy. Sutton hasn't stayed healthy there. Judy, I mean, he came into the league. He, he can't stay. He can't stay on the field. Uh, this and, team has never guess, stayed healthy. And guess what? Beats good offenses all the time. Good defenses. Yes. And that's what all and all of these teams now have now improved on defense. Do you want to play the Chargers with Khalil Mack running at you from one side and Joey Bosa running at you from the other? It's crazy. That's a crazy defense. It really is. And then you have Derwin James coming up on, on a blitz packages. I mean, that's crazy. Right. right. That's what I'm saying. The, the Chargers got exponentially better today. I can't necessarily say the same for the Broncos. Again, you're absolutely right, Jeff. They only gave up picks, and they gave up Noah Font and Harris. I mean, they didn't give up anything really remotely from that, that defense that is so good. No, but they're also another year older, and they're not going to be able to improve by picking up Russell Wilson's contract. That's going to hurt them, mm-hmm. right? So improving is probably out the window. So how are they going to improve through the draft? Oh, wait, no, they're not. They just traded away their next two drafts. Yeah, and that's going to be a huge problem. And, and here's another thing. The weakness of their defense is their front seven. Remember, going into last year, the weakness was their secondary, their corner play. They bring in Fuller. They traded. They 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 uh, they drafted Patrick uh, Sertan uh, from Alabama, and, and they solidified that secondary, which was one of the best secondaries in football, especially with one of the best safeties in, in football. And then all of a sudden, this year, even going into the offseason, they lose Harris, and this front seven, they there there are certain spots.
spots in this front seven that's very weak. And remember, Chubb is going to be a free agent in, in what, in another year? Uh, are they going to extend him? He's going to want a lot of money, too. The Broncos right now have $26.2 million in cap space currently mm-hmm. and 22.4 in effective cap space right uh, now. Is that before? Is that before? Yeah, this is updated. Yeah, this is updated because now this 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 site has the Colts have the most after the Wentz trade, which makes sense. $69 million. And, so, think yeah. about, and think about how little that is, though, right? Just think about how little that is because if the Broncos were to, say, go and get another really good player, say they go and get a J.C. Jackson, mm-hmm. a Brandon Scherf, Anyone mm-hmm. like that? Any any one of the better free agents? Well, there's twenty million, mm. right? Yep. And then what? And then what's left over? Only the money to sign draft picks. I, I did hear this that J.C. Jackson, uh, a team that's very very interested in getting him, is Miami. That's what I heard. Uh, a, a team that's going to be gunning for him in the off season. It makes sense. Uh, They're trying to move a Xavier Howard too. So. Yes, and uh, who was the other team? Minnesota. Was uh, Cincinnati it? was another one that's yeah. huge, huge into him. Yes, they have the money too to get him. Too. I mean, it doesn't matter. I was just saying if they were going to get one of the top free agents because I also mentioned Brandon Scherf. I wasn't trying to drag the Patriots into this. I was just saying, right? You know, uh, if they were to go and get any free, they're not going to go. He's going to get, get a lot of value. Money. Brandon Sheriff. Mm-hmm. He's going to get a lot right, of money. The, right, but the Broncos can't go and get anyone of value. They only have $26 million. They still have to find draft picks, so that's five of that. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? And and then what do they have left? So 20? And how many positions do they have to fill? Probably two or three on the offensive line than on the defensive line. And if I was... And if I so was, it's probably going to be two players. And if I was the Jaguars going into this free agency market... The first move I make is get Brandon Scherf, and then you draft, and then and then you draft your, the the offensive lineman, the, the tackle that you really really want, because you can put Scherf over there on the right side, or put him at the guard position right next to your top tackle, and solidify that that offensive line, which you have already two pretty decent guards on your offensive line. Get your tackle positions, and then you can work your way up from that. You need somebody to protect Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, if he's your franchise quarterback and you know that he needs to be protected, you need to go after a tackle. Go after a tackle in free agency, too, with Scherf. You you really could solidify that line, one, two, three, from the, from the draft and free agency. That's what I would do. And they have a boatload of money. Yeah, a load of money. And they need to protect that kid because, to me, they, they're they also going to be looking for a wide receiver because they, they do have Chenault, and, 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 but Shark, Shark, yeah. Shark is a free agent. So I don't think they're bringing Shark back because right. it gets so the healthy. they need one more, but they have yes. someone else they just brought in. Was it Curtis Samuel they brought in? No, Curtis Samuel's with Washington. They brought, the Marvin, Jones was, Marvin Jones was their Marvin guy. Marvin Jones. So. I'm, I'm sorry, Marvin Jones. Yes, but uh, I expect them to go after heavily after a wide receiver. Uh, maybe, uh, uh, what's his name again from Chicago? They, they Alan could Robinson. Again, Robinson. Back. Uh, yeah, all these reunitings. This is reunitings day. Why, first of all, it's a new coach, so it doesn't matter if it's reuniting. It's all about the coaching. It doesn't matter Thank if you God play for the God, it's a new team. coach. So, it, <laughs> oh, yeah. If, if, if you, you added Peterson there, Peterson wants Allen Robinson. He thinks he fits his offense. That's what they're going to do. It doesn't matter if he played on those <laughs> other teams. It's different coaches. So that's why, just because they go back to the team. And who's to say that Allen Robinson hated the Jaguars? He actually liked playing there. The fact is, is he didn't like uh, the coaching over there. So, and that was the reason why uh, I, he obviously uh, signed with the Chicago Bears. So and the Garoppolo uh, trades coming in the next day or two. Yes, I, I've been hearing that too. And, and there are two teams. No, it's ha- no, it's happening. They just the, where is he going? Just, where's, where's he the, going? The 49ers just signed a quarterback. Where's he going? 
best guess, mm-hmm. Indianapolis. I don't think they make that Carson Wentz move without knowing that they have another deal in place. Really? Mm-hmm. So Jimmy goes over there. Is he that much better than Carson Wentz? I mean, honestly, I would take Carson Wentz over Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, I hear you, but yeah. I I can't see them. I, listen, it's Jimmy's a better team player. Shit against the yeah. I mean, I'm clearly just saying shit against the wall, but I just can't imagine the Colts making that move without right. knowing they're getting someone. You were saying that too, and and I, I again, Jimmy is a very obviously the 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 players in San Francisco they love the kid. Uh, he's a very emotional kid. Uh, everything that we've heard about Carson Wentz when he was in Philadelphia, he didn't get along with a lot of players in the locker room, and then a lot of people were saying I was watching Hard Knocks. Uh, Frank Wright, uh, it looked like he loved the kid, but uh, off the field, there was a lot of things going on that nobody even knows about, that he was having problems with the coaches, and he was having problems with some of the players on the offense. Him and Taylor weren't getting along, I heard, too. Oh, wow. That's what I heard, too. Because in the New England Patriot game, where Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts pulled off that win, I think it was Thursday Night Football or something? It was a Saturday, I think. Saturday Night Football? After the game, I heard that Taylor and Carson Wentz uh, we're going at it, uh, you know, in, in in you know in the locker room, and they so, lost the last two games. So maybe yeah, there was so some kind of friction. Yeah, so uh, Carson Wentz was having problems right now, you know, in the locker room. So he doesn't get along with a lot of people. Now he's going to the Commanders, uh, a younger squad with a veteran coach, Ron Rivera, who doesn't take shit from anybody. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. And if Carson Wentz doesn't get, this is the third team he's going to in the last three years. If he goes to another team and it doesn't work out over there, I think his career is over, no matter how good he is. And his numbers were great last year. He had more efficient, more efficiency than we saw in his career outside of the near-MVP season that he probably would have had if he wasn't hurt in 2017. So that's a promising sign. But maybe they were thinking that for the Colts, maybe they didn't want the late-game collapse because they still had he was still forcing throws at that time late, too. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. even though statistically he's not, like, great. Like oh, he's, he's a good team player. Right. And, and, he's, and he generally does well winning games of being clutch when he needs to be a type thing. But this is also why, and it's going to be my main beef I always have with you, Errol, you're the first one, and every time in every conversation to go, well, look at the numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who gives a shit about the numbers? Carson Wentz forced the ball into the worst spots and cost them so many more turnovers and cost them so many more games, but that doesn't show up in the numbers. But if you had a pair of eyeballs, you saw Carson Wentz suck. Yes, and, about the and I know a lot of Indianapolis Colt fans over here in New York. Uh, two of my friends are huge, and, and Ryan Hickey is a huge yeah. Indianapolis Colts fan. Who was a, f- a fan of the Wentz trade at the time. Yes, he, he, he told me when I talked to Ryan, text message, he was very happy with the Carson Wentz trade uh, being at this because he just felt like Carson Wentz, every time he stepped on the field, there were games that he would show up and he would have these unbelievable games that he, he you, threw you, games away. And then there were games that he just, he, he, he had you scratching your head in the fourth quarter. Why would you throw that ball in d- double team coverage and, and throw an interception, which cost your team right, the but game? This is, but this is why numbers don't tell the story. And you're the biggest, oh, let's look at the numbers. It doesn't tell you what kind of player Certain they are. quarterbacks, I, I would say, look at the numbers. No, no, no. You say it with almost every position with everything. If you're comparing running backs, you go look at the numbers. No. One's an idiot douche who fumbles. The other one's pretty good. Right? Like, if you're, if you're a dude costing people games, I don't give a shit what, uh, how many yards you threw for. I don't care. Great. Well, Jameis Winston threw for 
3,000 yards or 4,000 yards. Awesome. He had 30 interceptions. <laughs> he threw for 5,000 yards, but 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. I never liked Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston stinks. Right, but this is why you can't go by yards or anything like that. That doesn't tell you what kind of quarterback they are. You go yelling, look at the numbers is is pointless. It's certain, stupid. first of all, certain quarterbacks and certain uh, certain players on certain teams, you have to look at the numbers if you compare. No, no. Yeah, 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 no, you, you do. You, you can be a person with only one working eyeball and see what kind of quarterback they are. And Jimmy G is a dude that won't turn it over or turns it over minimally, mm-hmm. right? He's not a dude just chucking it he all over the place. He, doesn't also, he, he also doesn't throw as much as Carson Wentz. Uh, he was averaging, what, 30 passes a game with San Francisco because they're a running team. He's going – 30 passes the, a game is what people the, throw. The reason why – no, it isn't. An average quarterback in the NFL, a starting quarterback in the NFL, throws between 38 and 40 passes a game. Jimmy Garoppolo fits in Indianapolis because they have a good running game, because Taylor's there. So, yeah, it makes sense that Jimmy Garoppolo going over there to San, uh, to, from San Francisco to Indianapolis, it makes a lot of sense. Frank Wright, I think, could uh, could slowly work him into the offense. He's not throwing you know, 40 passes a game, and he's going to run the ball 30, 35 times in a game, and all he has to throw is 200, 250 yards a game, and you can you can win those games because he's efficient. It, so it works. It also could be designed, too, to get Taylor more involved as an all-around scrimmage back, too, because he's not really known as the pass-catching type, but we've seen him do well in certain games receiving and big catches, and maybe Jimmy Garoppolo coming from the Patriots, who use the pass-catching running backs all the time, 49ers, their running backs catch passes a lot, and yet get yards after the catch. Maybe they want that kind of fit. Whereas Carson Wentz, he doesn't take the check downs all the time. He sometimes holds the ball too long. And he, that, this was even with a great offensive line with the Eagles. That was still a problem for him where they weren't getting those other running backs involved. And that's why guys like Miles Sanders haven't developed in Philly. Uh, a lot of the other young running backs that they've drafted. Jay Ajayi was obviously older, but still good. Yeah, for much a, older. Still, still was good for a short stretch, then died out kind of thing. And they weren't really getting that consistency as a result when it comes to getting those running backs involved involved because sometimes Wentz, because he was such a gunslinger at certain points, even though he has good arm talent, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but he, they defense is fairly to, young too. Defense, he's 27 years old. Defenses were able to game plan for that kind right? of thing. So yeah. So something like that is where game planning can help for the Colts and Frank Reich. They can make that kind of thing work with getting Taylor Mall involved as an offensive player too, and getting yards after the catch. 29 years old. He's 29 years old. He was born in 19, 19- 92, December 30th. Well, he's so, still, the age isn't much as a concern as the two major injuries already for Wentz. And that's limited his running ability. Because remember, when he was coming out of the draft, he was thought of as a what scares you guy. Really, what scares you about Carson Wentz has nothing to do with his numbers. It has everything to do with what he does off the field. And he doesn't get along with players. And he don't look like a guy that you can't get along with. He looks like a nice guy. But for some reason, when he steps off the field and he goes into that locker room, he just doesn't get along. And there were there were some stories coming out that he wasn't getting along with uh, Quentin Nelson either. Uh, you know, so they were fighting too. So uh, that's a problem when you can't get along with the players in the huddle. Guys that you that need to trust you. I watched um all what was that underdog uh, the um, the Kurt Warner movie, and I'll tell you this, guys, it's a must must watch movie. It's a great movie, and and you get to see what Kurt Warner was when he played for Iowa and how he moved in to play arena football, and then he got into the NFL and how um 
the coach, uh, Dick Vermeil, he was the only one that believed in him. In the offensive coordinator, they were trying to push him out. They, 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 he was, they wanted to see how strong he was personality-wise and that players like Isaac Bruce kept going up to him and saying, listen, we're, we're behind you, we're behind you. Whatever you do, we'll make sure that you're going to succeed. So <clears throat> that's what you want to see. You want to see your your huddle, your guys that are on your team, your roster, that are going to back you up. And I don't think any of these players on the Indianapolis Colts were going to back Carson Wentz up, especially what happened in the second half at the end of the season. Yeah, especially, too, when you're dealing with a case where there was three different instances with the Eagles, three different years, too. The last one was a fallout for Doug Peterson, which got him fired and went straight. Him and Doug Pe- Peterson were very, very close. All of in a the sudden. beginning, yes, yeah. but again, it took a, it took a while to. It took, it That's took, alarming when a coach gets fired and they chose him, and then they they get rid of him the year they got, after. They, they got rid of him both as a result, and just wanted to do everything quick fix all together, which we've seen the Eagles do in the past. So it's not surprising, but it still. is surprising when Peterson was the the guy that won him your, your first Super Bowl. Right, you never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and I, again, I still think he's a good coach. I would. I I wouldn't say with, yeah, he had a bad fallout that last year, even on the field too, with some of the players just managing a lot of them too. But still, definitely something that's weird with the way the Eagles were still making the playoffs even after the Super Bowl year, and they were still pesky. They were still doing well amidst all the injuries that they had. It was definitely surprising, but that's the, how damaging those kinds of relationships could be. Now the Eagles are also a unique circumstance too, where Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, so the players were gravitating more to him, and he was being more of the like. The Who's calling the guy. plays? Doug Peterson, right? And they fired Doug Peterson two years later because Carson Wentz and him weren't getting along on the bench. Okay, and that, that's ridiculous. And then a year later, they traded him. Uh, they traded him to the Indianapolis, and that didn't last more than a year. So <clears throat> I, I, I disagree. I, I don't think it has anything to do with uh, what you know what play what one player does and the other player does on the field. It, it depends on how the team works together. This is an ultimate team game, and Carson Wentz he's not a team player. But again, with the team with the Colts with that much talent on your team, you can't have that kind of thing hold you back either. So you wonder if they want something where. They're trying to build a good culture there with the Colts. They bring the Chiefs general manager, Chris Ballard, in, who, and the Chiefs have always been a pretty steady football culture, too. Not a lot of off-field issues. And they're trying to bring that same thing in Indianapolis. Indianapolis doesn't have a lot of those guys either. And maybe Carson Wentz ends up being that kind of guy, too, that isn't as coach-worthy because they want to hang on to Frank Reich. Frank Reich's a good coach. He's had really no big issues. Yeah, he'll go for it on fourth down a lot in certain games and stuff like that. But still, he's been pretty steady in terms of being they a good bring, coach. They bring in Jimmy Garoppolo next year, and they don't make the playoffs. I think Frank Reich gets fired. You gave up a first-round draft pick for Carson Wentz, a guy that you were a part of You know him getting drafted from Philadelphia. He was the guy. Frank Reich was the one that wanted Carson Wentz. Over Jared Goff. Peterson wanted Jared Goff. Uh, Frank Wright wanted uh, Carson Wentz. They they drafted Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if you look at it, you look at it now, uh, Carson, went, Carson Wentz goes to Indianapolis for now a first-round draft pick. And look what look what the, the commanders gave up. They gave up two third-round draft picks for Carson Wentz. For, and Philadelphia got a first-round draft pick from the Indianapolis Colts. How, how well Carson Wentz played this year. So... It didn't work out 
it didn't really work out for Indianapolis. It worked out for Philadelphia, and it worked out for the Commanders. The other thing, too, is that can they get the money going with the Colts, too? Because the Colts have always been well run. Now they shed the money for Carson Wentz, too. Can they get the other big splash that they've been looking for? Because they've built, they've built a good team. They've drafted – I'm not going to say they drafted amazingly, but they've drafted well enough where they've built balance on that team. That defense – Michael has, Pittman's awesome. Yes. And the defense has a lot of depth. Even though they don't, they're missing a couple key position-type things, they still have a lot of depth that's played well in good moments at certain points. They still could use edge rushing, maybe a little more secondary depth, but it's not bad. So now they have the money to make that kind of thing work to build a more complete team. Now, where do they go to swing for the quarterback? Maybe it is Jimmy Garoppolo, but there's also other options that could be available if they want to take on more money. But again, like Jeff was saying, do you want somebody that's a good leader for like Jimmy Garoppolo to help that kind of thing? Yeah, but they, they, have, they have to get somebody good. They have to. They cannot go into next season with like uh, Nate Sudfield, right? And I'm just saying, I'm just saying him because like he's the one that signed with Sam. No, we, we get he's the point. Jeff. Yeah, right. you don't want to get a scrap they, they type guy, right? They can't go and get Trevor Simeon or Taylor yeah. Heineke. Like it can't be that dude. They have to go and get somebody. Mm-hmm. So there's only going to be two or three options for them, <clears> right? It's either you know Mariota, Trubisky, or Bridgewater, Garoppolo. Bridgewater. Oh, please. I, I mean, Teddy serious. Two gloves can bite me. I understand what you're going to say, but Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater is still an efficient quarterback. And there'll be teams looking at him. Maybe Pittsburgh will be interested in going after. He's still one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. No one wants him. Every time he's had a, a, another opportunity, everyone's like, you stink. He stunk in Carolina, right? Then he stunk in Denver. Where, where else is he going to stink? He did well with the Saints, though, in stink? 2019 when Breeze was hurt. <clears throat> Yeah, great. He was a great for filling in for four games. Get off my team. <laughs> I think I think the quarterback play and there's still quarterbacks that are available. Kirk Cousins is definitely going to be available. I don't I don't see Minnesota bringing him back. He's going to want he he's not taking a pay cut. He already came out and said he's not taking a pay cut. So, and I don't know if Minnesota's going to pay him what he wants. He got he at the last contract that he got, he was making about between 42 and 45 million dollars. He's he's going to want more money, especially with Aaron Rodgers getting the 50 million dollars a year. So, I I I I still believe that Kirk Cousins believes that he's going to get somewhere between 45 and 50 million a year. And it's not going to be from Minnesota. There'll be other teams. Maybe Pittsburgh will be willing to give Kirk Cousins that kind of money to add a quarterback that, that efficient uh, on their team in that roster. Because Pittsburgh is looking for a quarterback. I heard Carson Wentz was definitely on their radar. Now that Carson Wentz is no longer on the radar because he's, he's playing for the Commanders, where does Pittsburgh go? Do they go after a rookie quarterback? They could. They, they could draft a rookie quarterback. Even if they draft Willis, Willis is not going to be ready. He's still a raw quarterback. They need to bring in a veteran quarterback that could play in front of Willis so he can learn the game. So, And it's not going to be Joe Flacco because he's <laughs> a washed-up quarterback. You need to find somebody that's good. And Kirk Cousins and, and Deshaun Watson, we don't – as you were saying, Jeff – no team. A lot of teams are not going to take a um, take a flyer on, on Deshaun Watson because you don't know what he's going to be next year with the criminal cases coming up on Friday. So <clears throat> Pittsburgh, the 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 two names that really logically they could go after are Kirk Cousins. I mean, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo is another one, and Marcus Mariota. You know, so th- to me. I, I think that there, if I was a team right now, the best player out of all those three quarterbacks is Kirk Cousins. So why not make a run for him? 
Now, the other dilemma that the Steelers have, though, too, is like Shane Hallam was saying last week, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Bengals all have more, like, overall, all-around talent-wise than the Steelers, where the Steelers have to rebuild a lot of other areas, too. So are they are they thinking maybe the quarterback could elevate them where they could maybe, maybe have the effect of... Not necessarily the same level with Matthew Stafford and the Rams, but something like that where they could still get elevated in other areas and then they could fill everything out later. I, heard, I also heard that uh, Lions are interested in and possibly <laughs> trading Jared Goff. Which which makes sense, too. You want to maybe trade him on a high because he had a nice year last year, too, considering how awful their receivers were. Jared Goff going to Pittsburgh? You have your your, your future quarterback right there. A guy that's he's been successful, has thrown in the Super Bowl, has played in the Super Bowl, played pretty well with the Lions. Maybe Pittsburgh makes a run at Jimmy. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jared, Goff. Jared Goff. Steelers right now, $28.81 million in terms of cap space right now. So that decision will be determined on what else they would think about doing because they did, were able to shed some money, obviously. They got to pay Fitzpatrick. They got to pay, pay, pay Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, he might get a little less than because he had a down year last year. We'll see on that. But he's still a very good, young, versatile safety. He's so not getting still, less. He's still going mm-hmm. to get a lot of money. So that's going to be a lot. Of, that's probably at least going to be half of that cap space as it is. Now, they'll, they'll, they could cut other guys, too. He's going to get at least. 16 million a year. So you're judging judging that. That would leave, if that's the case, that would leave you with 12. So they would have to, again, shed some other areas where it comes to older defensive players, maybe some of those interior defensive linemen like Hayward or two at one of those guys that maybe could go. Well, remember, Kirk Cousins is still under one more year of contract. So they're going to have to trade something if Pittsburgh wants Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and then you're dealing with 45 million going there for this year. So you year could trade too. away, uh, you know, money. You could trade a player, a player that's making money so you could bring in a Kirk. Cousin, so you can pay him. Yep. So I I understand, and and Jeff is one of those guys that would be the first person to say you have to give up something, especially a contract, to bring in a contract that's going. You're going to have to overpay or have I to mean, pay the, him. The problem with the the problem with the Kirk Cousins trade mm-hmm. isn't trading the money or whatever because you can retain some of the salary and pay some and still get, to get them off your team or sure. or whatever. That's not the problem. The problem is how do you replace him on the field? You're only trading Kirk Cousins if you actually believe Kellen Mond can step in and do the job. Mm. Right. And I think I, I really do believe they loved Kellen Mond when they drafted him. I liked Kellen Mond. Uh, he was, oh, yeah, that was your number yeah. number two quarterback. No, 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 no. Number four. Number four. Number four. <laughs> Stop it. I, I, I Zach Wilson. I had Trevor Lawrence. Oh, he's the best one of those. He's he's the best one of those. I had I had Trevor Trevor Lawrence. I had uh, Mac Jones as my number three. Mon my number four, and then Justin Fields my number five. Okay, yeah, yeah. but but we 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 know that that list should really be it should really be Zach Wilson one, Mac Jones two, Kellen Mond three, Trevor Lawrence four, and Zach Wilson five. Whatever. He gets two spots in the top five. Shut up! You're you're so stupid. It, it, it's not even funny. I'm, I'm I'm just I'm speaking for what I I see. And Kirk Cousins is the guy that I, I I'm telling you right now. Minnesota is not re-signing him. He is not taking a pay cut. He he's already came a, out. He's not a free agent. I understand that. I understand that. But right now, if if you go into next season and you have no control of him, he's going to go to free agency, and they're not franchising him next year, especially with a new coach, uh, a young coach. So. Uh, if I, mean, I were they might, the... just, they might be happy just playing it out with who they have and getting a quarterback going into the next why, season. Why, Maybe Kellen Mond is ready. Why don't you start? Yeah, why don't you start Kellen Mond and trade Kirk Cousins and get like a second or third round pick for him? I think you could get a second round pick for Kirk Cousins. Absolutely. If Wentz got two threes, I mean, you could probably get a second. For you can absolutely I mean, get a second. I mean, you for are Kirk you are playing with fire 
right? Listen, I'm not, I don't. Minnesota's going to stink this year, anyways. They're going right. to stink. That's not necessarily true. They got they got good receivers. Their there. defense is their defense. Emerson uh, uh, Emerson is not going to be there. I mean, he's in a in a sane asylum. That that defense, especially in the first half, is definitely not going to be as good this year. And and listen, they fought a lot of injuries this year. They could not stay healthy if, if their life dis- depended on it. I think I, Minnesota next year's a new year, though. Next that's, year's that's a new fine. Year, the, that's fine with a new back. coach, with a new coach, new defensive coordinator. Right, I, Kevin O'Connell. Here we come. <laughs> I I think they're going to take two steps back next year. I think they're going to rebuild uh, with a young coach, and they're going to be crappy. And and I not I, hard to, not hard to compete in that division though. Yeah, but again, it's the whole landscape of the NFC though. So I don't think they'll get like that I much think, worse, but they're not going to be much better. I either. think uh, I think Chicago. You know, obviously they lost Khalil Mack, but uh, I, I think Chicago has a lot of money this offseason. I think they're going to rebuild. What they can on that offensive line, I think that's been their weakness. They have just they don't have anyone. They have Justin Fields and thirty six tight ends. <laughs> they do have a lot of tight ends. Yeah, <laughs> the whole roster is tight ends. <laughs> that is it's Cole Komet. It's Jimmy Graham. It's it's Trey Burton. Yeah, <laughs> right. Trey Burton. Their whole team is just tight ends. The one receiver they have is leaving in free agency. Yeah, and and he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a highly profiled guy. And I think that what when's free agency next week? My starts Monday, thirteenth. I think the official deals are sixteenth. He'll be off the board on Monday or Tuesday. He's going. For, he's going to be one of the first guys off the board. Somebody's going to sign him. Uh, I could. I'm telling you, the Jaguars are a team that's looking for a wide receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to the Jaguars. Um, uh, Miami, Miami. I was yeah. just about to say Miami. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he just stays with the Bears on a one-year deal. Nah, he's leaving the Bears. Uh, he's been wanting. Yeah, I, I, I think he's been the wanting to that's, get traded. That's for a great. While. That, that's all well and good to say that. But there's only like four teams that have any cap space, and everyone else is in salary cap hell, right? Like all of those other teams. And if those four teams aren't interested in Allen Robinson. And the rest of the league has no money. He's not going to get the deal he wants. He's but, better off on a one. Also, one keep year in mind though, it. too, Jeff. He's also coming off one uh, injury riddle. That's season why I want to the a Jets down, to go kind of a down him. season where he his price tag might yeah. not be as high. That's why I want yeah, the Jets. He to came go off after, a man. down season for two reasons: rookie quarterback and Matt Nagy. You can't overcome that. I, I, I'm not saying that's it's impossible. his fault, but I'm, the teams might think that way. That was what I'm saying. Right. That, that's that's fine. But I very much think he's in the the same position. As uh, look at last year, the perfect the perfect comp is last year with with Juju Smith Schuster. Juju Smith Schuster thinks he's worth the entire world, and 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 all the teams that had money told him to go pound sand, and so he ended up back in Pittsburgh on a one year deal for real cheap. Yeah, well, Allen Robertson's better than Juju Smith Schuster, and I um, think that's great. Yes. That's great, yeah. but there aren't a lot of teams with a lot of money. There aren't. Yeah, and, and I, I, I listen. The Jets do have a lot of money, and I, I, I would love Allen Robinson. And remember, right, they're one of the four teams. It's like the Dolphins, the yes. Jaguars, the Jets, the Jets and, and like now it's and Seattle. Like one or two others. Indianapolis has money. Yeah, the, that's what he said. The Colts, Dolphins, Jets, and Seattle's now the fourth team. Of the, I could see, I could see, deal. I could see Allen Robinson going to Indianapolis. Absolutely, I, can. I could absolutely. Well, Michael Pittman and him, right, but there's there's plenty of places that he could go that need a wide receiver, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, doesn't New Orleans need a wide receiver? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Forty-two million yes. over the cap, though. So He's another one. They they restructured. The the, they restructured. You're running into yeah. the exact point, though, Speedy. When you when you say that, so many teams don't have the money. Mm. They don't. Uh, uh, the Saints actually restructured uh, 
uh, what's his name again? Thomas's uh, contract, and they believe, and a lot of people believe they they're absolutely trading him uh, one way or another before the draft. So he is going to be traded somewhere uh, after re- restructuring his contract. So I don't know where he's going, but he's not going to be a Saint next year. No. So uh, and the, not, and not Miami is the team a- I think he's going to go to. And not for nothing, there's plenty of wide receivers out there mm-hmm. that may not cost as much as him that could still get the job done. Absolutely. Right? And so and so, so these teams without money might snap up some of those guys, and then there really won't be options for them. Right? Yeah, yes. And and that's why – and then he'll have to take a low, small contract. And that's why I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised he goes to the Patriots. As much as the right. Patriots – don't have a lot of money. They can't I, afford them. They I, can't afford them. I, I know that. But if if nobody is going to go after him, as nobody's going to pay him a contract, he might take a small contract, prove you know, prove me deal one year, and why not go to the Patriots? I mean, I mean, you have a chance to win, you know. So, I that that's that's what I'm saying. Right, but that's the problem we're running into, right? Because you know, there's other things going on in the market, right? If if Allen Robinson's like. You know, I want $20 million a year. He's not getting Well, shit, I can trade a fifth-round pick for Amari Cooper and he'd be left. That And that's another thing. We weren't, weren't talking about Calvin Ridley. Did you, That story was absolutely ridiculous. Calvin Ridley, who has had on his, off-the-field issues, obviously mental issues. The NFL did an investigation, caught him uh, betting on football. Uh, he is suspended for one full year, so he will not play next year. So there were a ton of teams, the Jets being interested. Uh, there were two other Eagles, teams, yeah. the Eagles and the were, Patriots. And the Patriots were very interested in making a move to get him. And now, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley's off the board. So Calvin and then Amari Cooper, who's right now the Cowboys are trying to free up, uh, you know, money so they can somehow trade him and keep him under contract. And they can't, uh, so far it hasn't worked for them. They're going to probably have to release him uh, before the trade deadline. I mean, before the, tra- uh, the, the open market opens up next week. And that means he could go wherever he wants. And, 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 and Amari Cooper could go wherever he, his heart desires. And again, uh, again, the you say the Patriots don't have the money, but if Amari Cooper wants to play over there, and and the Patriots can scavenge up two, three million a year just for you know Amari Cooper to be happy over there, he'll probably go there. The funny part is, he's Jeff, not, the, I'm just saying the, 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 they had to restructure Dak not. Prescott's contract, so now he's not getting forty million anymore. He's probably not going there, but I'm yeah, I, which is right, which is also going to be a nightmare. We've already talked about this. Right? Oh yeah, they'll get, he'll get it later. Your, I know. <laughs> right? All, no, no, no. But but the salary cap hit is going to be worse later too. Mm. So I don't know what these cowboys are are, are thinking. They're a bunch of retards running that organization. They should just they shouldn't have restructured his contract. Because it's just going to be so much worse later. And DK Metcalf, uh, now that uh, Russell Wilson's gone, now you're hearing DK Metcalf all over social media. Go check his Twitter. He said goodbye to Russ, and he was uh, subliminally, uh, you know, posting things up on his Twitter page, uh, pretty much telling people that he, you know, question mark. He kept putting question mark. I think he wants out there too. So I wouldn't be surprised if DK Metcalf. Oh, DK Metcalf. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if DK Metcalf gets traded the next week or so. You know what I mean? So going wherever yeah, he wants to burn go. that whole organization yeah. to the ground. Yeah, well, I like Tyler Lockett. If if he's if he, if he becomes available for the Jets, I would love Tyler Lockett. 
I think you, you have fit every free agent going to the Jets. No, he's not a free agent. He's not a free agent. He's under contract, but the Jets have the money Whatever. to take you, the contract. You got everyone going there. You just mentioned. No, I said Allen Robinson. No, now you're saying I, I said Allen Robinson to Miami. I said my Allen Robinson to Miami. You're not listening to me. I said that if I were to pick a guy right now on Seattle that I would want. It's Tyler Lockett because he fits that offense. He does, and he is under contract, and he's making he's making pretty good money. I think he's making fifteen million a year, but that's a that's a contract that the Jets could afford. And it's only two million dollars more than Corey Davis. Yeah, I, and he's I, a lot better than Corey Davis. I, I would take Tyler Lockett over DK Metcalf. I do not want DK Metcalf. I don't want him. I know Jet fans are jumping for joy, and they really want him. I don't. I, I just I have a bad feeling about him. I worry about him as a scheme fit. Now he was a little more consistent than this year than last than previous years, but he still was a little down overall. But he didn't have those many of those quote unquote big games. He's got problems with analysts, you know, talking about him. Him coming to New York and the press, he's not playing well, and the press attacks him. Do you know what he's going to be doing? You know how much crap we're, the Jets are going to have to deal with with him on and off the field. I do not want. I, I know Jeff fans, and I, I listen to CJ. He wants DK Metcalf. They're nuts. Oh, that's Jimmy Jardine's guy. Like He's like salivating for Metcalf. They are absolutely nuts. You do not want DK Metcalf to come here into New York, especially what happened with him and uh, Sharp. You know, on uh, for, what's yep. that show, that Fox show yeah, that he's with, right. Skip Bayless? I mean, that he, is, you're right, though, Speedy. That is Jimmy Jardine's boy, though. Yep. He loves him. Oh God, I don't want him. I love I love watching that show. I love Jimmy Jardine. He looks like if a Marlboro Light could talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jeff. We know we know Kevin Jackson's your guy. <laughs> Kevin, dude, Kevin Jackson's the guy on that show, though, bro. He's, he's the smartest one. He's the cookie maker. He's the he, he's the smartest one. He's he's the most level headed dude. And then you got CJ screaming, and then the talking cigarette. I love it. <laughs> the talking cigarettes. <laughs> The talking cigarettes. I, I, I love that, that whole thing. It's it's so like that show is so great to me because it's just Jets fans screaming at each other that they're so angry at the Jets. I the problem with the the problem with <clears throat> Jet fans is, and I I'll, I'll be the first one to say this. They think that they're going to get everybody. They think that this guy's going there, that guy's going there, that guy's going there. And Jeff, you say that I say that, that I want this guy and that guy. I do not say that. I said that I would love to see Lockett there. I would love to see Lockett there. Is he going there? Probably not because he's under contract and Seattle's not going to move him. Uh, they'd probably rather get rid of you DK Metcalf. They, that's a, you never know that, though, because that's an organization that is literally burning it to the ground to start so over. So why did Pete Carroll just retire already? <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're they, trading Russell Wilson away, you're not winning next year. What is the point of staying there for another year? You're going to get fired the year after with the GM. I mean – yeah, I mean, but he's getting seventeen million a year to be there, so that seems pretty cool. Yes, but why would you want to be there to lose? I mean, you're not winning. Did you hear the part about the seventeen million or no? I understand that, but you're you're a seventy year old man. You've made millions and millions of dollars. This guy's. I mean, USC was paying him like eight, seven million dollars a year for all those years that he was there. I mean, the guy is—he's—he's he's made over a hundred million dollars. Does he really need the seventeen million? Honestly, I mean, he's seventy, seventy-two. Yeah, he's I got know. grandchildren. I, I know what, what. What's the threshold for you? 
Like what, what the, like I, I honestly have the question for you. What's the threshold for you where you think people that have had success in their life will all of a sudden just become allergic to money? Here's, here's why I'm going to say it. He's 72 years old. He's got grandchildren. Why, play, why coach a team that you know is going to lose? You just right, dropped, your, gra- you dropped got, your best defensive player. I'm fine. Right, you dropped maybe, your best. Right. He's got grandchildren. Maybe his mindset is I'm going to do this and take that 17 million and leave it all to the grandkids. Yeah, He's got over a hundred million dollars. Let's let's look at how much Pete Carroll's worth. Go look at his net worth. OK, 17 million really going to burn a hole in his pocket. All right. Just look at the net worth of Pete Carroll. Come on, Speedy. You're Mr. Typing, banging on your freaking keyboard. What is he worth? You got it? Thirty million dollars. He's worth thirty million. Thirty million. So okay. he could coach next season and make fifty percent of his whole net worth. Mm. That's pretty good. Mm. Let me. See. That's pretty good. It says annual salary of eight million dollars. Yeah, currently seventy yeah, years old. Yeah, it's more. It's more because he also serves as like the GM too. Mm. That's why. That's why Belichick. You know, Belichick's the highest paid like front office dude in the league. Well, makes sense. He's inherently his own GM. Yeah. Right, because he does both. He's making he's making over thirty million dollars a year. I'm sure Marvin Lewis was the same way in Cincinnati too, because they never had an active GM either. Right, but so Pete Carroll, yeah, oh great, oh uh, for as a coach, he gets eight million. What's he what's he getting into as a GM? Probably fifteen, sixteen million. Yeah, I mean it's like, you know, that's what it is. He's making a shit ton of money. I mean, I mean, that I, seems like a that seems like a pretty good reason to stick around and watch some losses. Yeah, you, dude, you you watch you watch the Jet games for free. I don't watch the Jet. He's games. actually going to get paid to watch losses. Listen, uh, uh, first of all, last year uh, watching the Jet games, I watched probably four full Jet games last year. That's it. And how much did you get paid? I got paid nothing. Right, right. Pete Carroll's going to get paid. Okay, he's gonna get. He loves, paid. He loves watching losses. All right, All right. loves well, it. Well, good for him. He's gonna get. Good hey, for him. He's he's on the Brian Flores plan. He's getting a million dollars a loss. Right. I'm very surprised that the ownership actually brought back the GM Schneider and brought back Pete Carroll. I would have fired both of them, especially when you knew you already knew that you were going to trade Russell Wilson, because I think they knew from the beginning they were trading Russell Wilson. And now that you're in DK Metcalf and they're rebuilding the team, they dropped Bobby Wagner, who's been a, a Hall of Fame linebacker and still has a lot of football left, by the way. I'm telling you right now, there are a lot of teams lining up for Bobby Wagner. Okay, But the problem with that logic is that when you're rebuilding, you're not going to get like the best coach available. All those coaches, like all the coaches that wanted to be coaches – they wanted to go somewhere where there was assets and stuff. Now that they've waited a year, almost no one's going to need a coach next year. There's not going to be a ton of people fired next year. Half the league just got replaced this year. Where does Bobby Wagner go uh, in free agency? I mean, there's the four teams. Does he go to the Jaguars? Does he? Does he? Yeah, do, if they trade Miles Jack, too, it's definitely a possibility. But they're not trading Miles Jack. Uh, does I mean, we just talked about the teams that have money. Indianapolis, does he go to Indianapolis? I don't, I don't know if Indianapolis them. needs that as much as they need a secondary. Do the Jets? The Jets Maybe need the a linebacker. Jets. Maybe the Jets, yeah. They could, need a linebacker. I definitely could see I, that. I mean, Believe it or not, still even after the trade, the, the Chargers still have twenty four million. Why not? Maybe I no way they're, they're not going after Bobby. You White. got a middle linebacker. You draft the DT. Your team's pretty complete. I, I mean, 
Seattle? I'm, I'm actually Seattle? predicting that Jace, that's where J.C. Jackson They resigns with Chargers. Seattle? No, you're not getting cut from there and then re-signing there. Why not? It take less money. You know? Raiders are an interesting one. They got some money. They could use some run defense help. Oh, the Eagles, yeah. another team. They definitely need linebackers. I do they have the money? $17 million? They could probably do it. And they got three first-round picks. They just fill out the rest in the draft. I, I think you're not going to have to trade anything for him. He's a free agent. No, I know. No, I know that. I'm saying the, the Eagles could get the linebacker, then they could draft other things with the other three picks. They could draft maybe a, a secondary help. How or, much does Bobby Wagner get in free agency? I would say probably ten the, million. Yeah, something like that. It's because he's old. Uh, I don't even. Th- I don't even think it's coming close. You think he's getting less? Yeah, oh yeah. I, I I'd probably say he's getting around four or five million. Really? really? Yeah. No, I'm thinking more ten as well. I still think he so he still played well. He wasn't the big problem with that defense. No, he played well this year. I'd honestly be stunned if he gets that much. Huh. Well, if that's the case, that'll that'll expand the market even more. Where you could get some of these even how about teams Baltimore? Right on the brink. How yeah. about Baltimore? I could, I could see that too. Now they don't need it as much as they, they got even a need lot it. of money too. They got they got, they got fifteen million they don't right need now. It though they just drafted Patrick Queen, but they have a three four defense though too, so they could use a second guy. They, they had, like, LJ Fort and, like, Josh Bynes and other guys playing there who are more naturally outside linebackers. How about Miami? But the thing is the Ravens also need the edge rushing a lot more because they lost Judon and Nagakwe last offseason and really never replaced that production. They had the rookie away who did well for the first, like, six games of the season, but Worley isn't, like, a number one type pass rusher. No, that's what I want to know. I, Bobby Wagner, being that he became available, they – there should be a lot of teams lining up for him because I still think he has another two, three good years left. Mm-hmm. I mean, he played very well last year. Um, I, 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 was he a Pro Bowl player last year? I think he was a Pro Bowl player last year. If he, if he was, if he wasn't, it's not because of lack of talent. It's just because there's a lot of also really good linebackers in the NFC too. So. No, I think he you made. Know, I think you know, not for Bowl. nothing. Not for nothing. If he's going to take significantly less money than yeah. he's getting in Seattle. I would I would say Arizona is a good landing spot. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. about Arizona too. Arizona definitely a good landing spot with that defense. And they just cut they just cut a linebacker too. Yeah, Jordan Hicks. Yeah, Vegas. I, I Vegas makes Speedy, a lot of how sense. Do you feel, how do you, how do you feel about your boys resigning Sterling Shepard? Oh yeah, great. Yeah, it's good. Now we're the only uh, the Giants are only now slightly. They signed seven Sterling million Shepard. under the over the cap. Yeah. Well, you want to know something? I think it's a good move for Dable because I think. He's a type of he's a wide receiver that Dable uses. You know what I mean? He likes using them. And Shepard really hasn't developed into the the, the wide receiver they right. thought it was going to be. Yeah. Maybe under Dable and that offense, he could develop him. He's still fairly young. Yeah, you're right. Bobby Wagner was a Pro Bowl player. He's been a Pro Bowl player for eight straight years now. I mean, Buddy, who hasn't been a Pro Bowl player for the last eight years? Yeah, but by, being that in the NFC with all those great linebackers for Bobby Wagner, how many tackles <laughs> did he have last year? He had 170 total tackles. Yeah, dude, he still he still has a lot of football left, a lot of football left. I, I Baltimore has a lot of money. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Baltimore. I mean, right, the problem the, the problem with what you're doing with all of this mm-hmm. is somebody has to be left out. Okay, like like very seriously, somebody has to be left out. Because you can't have uh, Brandon Scherf getting twenty million, and you know Allen Robinson getting twenty million, and all these guys that are going to get top contracts, right? Not every team can do that. No one has the money to do it. Someone's going to have to be left out in the cold, like Juju Smith-Schuster was last year. Now, the competition for the inside linebacker market right now: Jordan Hicks, you just mentioned, got cut. Anthony Hitchens. Uh, 
Kyle Van Noy just got cut by the Patriots, so that'll be another one to explore. Show did. They're saying the 49ers have a lot of interest. They're saying right now, reported uh, reportedly, that the 49ers expected to have a lot of interest in Bobby Wagner. Wow, that'd be a way to stick it to the Seahawks. And you were right, the Cardinals, too, are another team. The Rams are another team. Um, that are interesting. Well, they don't have any draft picks, so free agents it is for for uh, old Sean McVay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at Jayon yeah. Brown, well, another cool. inside linebacker who's oh, younger. Oh, hold on. One. New England is another team that is very interested in Bobby Wagner. I can see it. Yeah, I mean, they just they got a spot, a couple spots open. I don't see them bringing back Hightower. No. Yeah, you mentioned and they that. Just I, cut I, Van I, I, yeah, I, I, you mentioned that. I, I definitely don't see Hightower coming back. Patriots right now thirteen million, thirteen point four two million. Yeah. So if they, yeah, they if, not, if they get though, him, but they're, but they're not though, Speedy. Well, they're all right, not, whatever, they whatever they end up trading with J.C. Jackson, I guess too. Whatever, the, however that. No, works. they're not trading him. He's a free agent. They're getting. They're only going to get comp picks for him. He's a okay. free agent, but they don't have thirteen million. They need five million of that for their. All right, they they, they have in order who's who's the most interested to the least interested, uh, in Bobby Wagner. Dolphins one, Ravens two, Chargers three, Broncos four, Cowboys five, Rams six, Cardinals seven, Forty ers eight, Jets nine, Lions ten, Patriots eleven, Steelers twelve. That's what they're saying. So they so they named half the league. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, outside of the Broncos, I, I think they're fine up the middle. I, I think mean, the, the Dolphins the like superstars. The Dolphins like superstars, and they have money. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the Dolphins. I, I, I love whatever publication came up with that list. They have a coin flip's odds of being right. They just named half the league, um, and they're like, we think so 12 out of 32 teams. Logan Earl. Yeah. Uh, 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 the, only right. teams, the only teams not on that list were the uh, – Calgary Rough Riders, the Edmonton Eskimos. How are the Cowboys uh, going to pay him, anyways? If he's he a Calgary, he's maybe CFL team. No, I'm saying, how do the Cowboys pay him that he's on a list with the Cowboys? Yeah, they're right now. They're right now under the, over the cap by a billion dollars. And who knows what, what happens I'll with the Amari Cooper situation? I'll tell. Well, they're going to save money there. They're going to save money. By well, sure. Him, right. That's that's why they're doing it. But it also makes a lot of sense. And Dave, I hope you're fucking listening, right? <laughs> It makes a lot of sense for him to go to the Cowboys because they probably don't have the money to re-sign Van Der Esch and they might have a hole in the middle. Oh, of my, my God, Bobby. dude. He told me that if the, the Cowboys don't sign Van Der Esch, he's never watching the Cowboys this year. He will oh, not God, watch I the hope he goes somewhere, <laughs> he will, somewhere else. He will <laughs> not he watch somewhere. the Cowboys this year if Van Der Esch is not a Cowboy. That's what he told me. Uh, it, and that if he but, went to the I'm, Jets, because I know the Jets are looking for a run-stopping linebacker, I, I I heard that he would become a Jet fan. That's what he said. I will automatically right. become a Jet fan. All right, Jeff. If he goes to an NFC team, obviously the Patriots are your team, but if he goes to whatever NFC Could team you he would go to, would you root for that team as your other team? <laughs> just to fight the beef? Oh, oh, my oh I'm, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's just that kid's hilarious. He didn't watch football all last year because a quarterback hurt his feelings, and now if they don't re-sign Van Der Esch, he's quitting again. No one cares if he quits. It won't affect any of them. No, but could you imagine him sign with the Patriots? Could you? I know they don't have the money, but could you imagine Van Der Esch going to the Patriots? And could you imagine him and Jeff actually go to a Patriot game, rooting and sitting right next to each other for the same team? I couldn't imagine that. I could. One, one word. One word for you, Errol. Nope. <laughs> well, you were going to go to a Cowboy game with the Beef. 
only to mock him. No, I wasn't going to go with him. No, I wasn't going to go with him. I wasn't taking him to any games. Are you kidding? I couldn't stand to sit next to that kid in a Cowboys game. It would be insufferable. <laughs> insufferable. <laughs> Hard pass, friend. <laughs> but there if, are... Van Der Esch ends up on, if Van Der Esch ends up on the, on the Patriots, I don't want him being a Patriots man either. He'd be kick rocked. <laughs> How about Landon Collins getting let go? Uh, he's going to be released by the Commanders. I think he was way overpaid, but he's still Classic a Dan Snyder. He's still a decent player. I mean, he could still go somewhere. I mean, there are yeah, teams still looking for safety. He's going to get a ton of cash. You think so? He's still a really good player at a at a young age. He's going to get a good contract. Really he's younger good. younger than Bobby Wagner. Was he? Was he good? Was he really that good? What? What the? Dude, the, yes, yes, he was. He was really good. Yes, he was. With the Commanders. Yes. I, I don't even. I, I don't even. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. His first year there, he was good. Twenty twenty. He dealt with a lot of injuries. I think he missed the last like twelve games of the season or something like that. Their defense still played well without that. This year, he was kind of up and down. So does that accordingly. But yeah, he's still young enough where he might still get like a double digit. I, I think it'll be only like a low double digit because the safety market still is not. I mean, I know Buda Baker just got paid and Kevin Byard, but beyond that, it's not really getting a lot of traction in terms of like teams paying for it as the premier position. Now, there are teams that still with that have the money that might get that as a missing piece type thing if they want a box safety to help out because he's not really the man coverage guy. Zone coverage is all right, but man coverage is not his thing, so... Maybe that's a team for the Eagles. Again, they could use a safety as well. Uh, Carolina's an interesting one. They got money, $26 million to get help out those yeah, corners everyone, there. Everyone wants to to get aboard that Titanic, huh? This story right here is saying that Kirk Cousins is definitely getting moved. They don't, they, they're not sure where he's going, but uh, Jason Lock and Four says that, that they're already shopping um, Kirk Cousins. So... Good. He, he'll, he'll he'll probably he's probably going to be traded in the next couple of days, you know. But where where does he go? I mean, there's no list of teams that are you know making moves for him. We named a bunch of teams. Maybe maybe it is one of those. Maybe hey, maybe the Saints. You know, I don't know if they have the money. If they get rid of Thomas, you know, Thomas's contract. Do they bring in a Kirk Cousins over there? What? No. They I'm, can't. I'm they could get rid of. They could get rid of their entire defense. Mm-hmm. Their entire defense. They could get rid of. And Michael Thomas. They'd still be over the cap. Dude, they're forty million dollars over the cap. Right. That's li- that's literally three Devontae Adams. So, <laughs> so who are the three top teams? If Kirk Cousins, you know, goes somewhere, or he gets traded. Where does he go? I mean, there's a there's only there's only two. There's there's okay. two teams that are a quarterback away from winning. Okay, who right? is that? That's it. Pittsburgh and the Colts. Yeah, but Colts, you're saying Jimmy Garoppolo, so he, he, right, he t- but right, but if they if they if the price is too high on Jimmy and they won't pay it, they can go after Kirk Cousins, just like Denver going after Aaron Rodgers right. ended up with Russell Wilson. I, I think Kirk Cousins fits like a glove over there in Indianapolis too. I mean, he really does. Uh, but those are the two teams that are only a quarterback away, and that they need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, because let's face it, if if the if the Steelers didn't have Ben Roethlisberger last year. And they had name a shitty middle of the road quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. They make a run in the playoffs last year. Really? <laughs> they beat the Chiefs with Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Buddy, dude, do, do you realize Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw the ball more than four yards down? Yeah, they the field also had forty-two points. <laughs> do you realize Ben Roethlisberger threw three interceptions on screen passes last year? 
Yeah, and Ryan Tannehill also didn't have the greatest year either. So I don't know if that's, it'd be that much of an upgrade. Yeah, it might be. There might be better yeah. regular season, but still. First of know. all, that, first of all, that's great. But Ryan Tannehill also led that team to a number one seed without both AJ uh, Brown and Julio Jones. That's so true. you can go pound sand with your terrible narrative because he had no one to throw to, and Roethlisberger had Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and and Washington. Kirk Cousins, much, much better. Kirk Cousins' numbers were ridiculous last year. He was eight and eight. Completion percentage, 66, 4,221 yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I mean, and actually did better late in the game for people who like to destroy him for that, uh, Tyler. Mm -hmm. Right. But but regardless of your shitty narrative, Speedy, Ryan Tannehill did an amazing job last year with nothing. No Derrick Henry, no A.J. Brown for half the season, and no no Julio Jones for half the season. Who was he throwing to? You. That's who he was throwing to. Still the number one. All right, so Kirk Cousins is the same age as Russell Wilson. Now, is he as good as Russell Wilson? Numbers? uh, He never won a Super Bowl. Don't do the numbers. All right. Don't do the numbers. Uh, All right, that's fine. But Kirk Cousins maybe is worth a first-round draft pick if if you look at it. If you look at what he has done... And his, you know what he's done with Minnesota. Obviously, he didn't make the playoffs this year. But either did either did I mean, Russell Wilson. You guys, you're being ridiculous with this whole thing. Maybe he's worth a first round draft pick, mm-hmm. dude. Russell Wilson just got five of them. No, five I'm just no, I'm, he got two first, two seconds. I, and I'm six. just saying he's the same age as Russell Wilson. So, do right, if you trade for Kirk Cousins. You're at least getting a first. First of all, the worst package so far has been for Carson Wentz, and that was a. Th- uh, uh, it's a really two a thirds. It's not two, two thirds. Yeah. No, it's not because one of the thirds converts to a second if he plays sixty percent of the snaps. Mm. Okay, so, uh, uh, so what? So you're saying that if you if you trade for Kirk Cousins, you have to give up a first round draft pick. Easily, mm. easily, mm. dude. If Russell Wilson's worth two firsts and two seconds. And and uh, Noah Fant and uh, the defensive lineman's really good too. Yeah, Harris, Harris. Yep. Is it yeah. right, yeah, right, right. Shelby Harris. Uh, I don't. I don't care about Drew Locke. He can go pound sand too, <laughs> right? They also got but two first. They also two got first, two seconds. Sh- sh- and Shelby, a fifth. And a fifth. Shelby, whatever, and and Noah Fant. Mm-hmm. And you don't think Kirk Cousins worth a first? I mean, the league would tell you otherwise because that's what the price is. Oh, he, he, he definitely. I mean, if you look at what he's what he is and what he's done, and he was a pro ball player this year, Kirk Cousins. Because I, I, you're not like if you're Pittsburgh, you cannot roll with Mason Rudolph. He stinks too. Duck Hodges stinks. Well, if Everyone you get Dwayne Haskins can go pound sand. <laughs> Dwayne well, if you get Kirk Cousins, you're going to have to extend him for at least four years, and he's still fairly young. He's still a you young quarterback. You don't have to do piss all with them. You can tell them that's your contract you're playing, and then they can also draft Kenny Pickett or something and and work with him for a year or two, you know, and throw him in after they're done with Kirk Cousins. All right, so if you were training for Kirk Cousins, what what do you get? What do you give for Kirk Cousins to get the I deal mean, done? Ba- I mean, based on – Based on the Russell Wilson deal and the Carson Wentz deal, because I think he's exponentially better than Carson Wentz. Yeah, way better. And and I don't think he's quite to where Russell Wilson is. I would probably say a first and a third is reasonable. A first and a third. Okay. Which the Steelers can do. So they they would definitely make that kind of move. It's a $45 million cap hit, so that'll diminish it a little. But it's still that's still pretty reasonable, I would say, for the Steelers. Absolutely. Well, that might be – right, but that also might be a problem. I don't know what their cap situation 28, is. 28 or, or, right now for the Steelers. So they can't afford them. So, yeah, they would have to 
that's where they might have to, like Errol was saying earlier, they might yeah. have to trade a player to the Vikings. That's what's going to gonna that happen. Work. That's what's going to have to happen. They're going to have to. Do, no, they can't afford him. Period. Because they don't have. What did you say? They have 20, 28? 28. So they trade a. Great. They have 20. Great. They have 23 because it takes 5 million to sign your free agent, your, your rookie class. Right. Right. So take 5 million off. But if you're right? trading those pieces away, if you're trading a fir- the first round away for Kirk Cousins, you're you really can, not. You, you, how many, how many, how many high pay, uh, paid players do you have to trade away to make up for that? What'd you say he was getting? Forty. Forty five million is his cap hit this year. The Steelers right now currently have twenty eight point eight one million dollars. So you try to either cut or try to somehow trade. Uh, I guess Joe Hayden would be one, and then maybe either Tewitt or Hayward would probably be the other one. I thought they're cutting Joe Hayden. Oh, did they already cut Joe Hayden? Okay. So, so his salary is going to make his price go up. You're probably looking at a first, a second, and a third. At that point, well, yeah, the, salary, the, yeah, they're going to have to trade gonna, extra draft picks in order to for even for another team, even for, if they do it in a separate right, trade. So, yeah, right because right because if you're Pittsburgh, Minnesota will have to retain some of the salary. Mm-hmm. They'll have to, and you'll have to compensate them for that. Boy, if Kirk Cousins goes to the uh, uh, NFC uh, AFC North, I mean that would be beautiful, right? Him go over there in that division with Lamar Jackson and. And and obviously we we all know Baker Mayfield. This is the last year Baker Mayfield has to prove himself. Uh, it, how about this? Baker may, maybe trading uh, with Cleveland and, and sending Kirk, Kirk Cousins, Cousins to Cleveland to the Browns. Ooh. Yeah, why not? That'd be nice. They seventeen money? million. Seventeen million. It's going to be hard yeah. <laughs> because they got, they got ten almost ten million less than the Steelers do. So I mean they don't they have a lot more talent than the Steelers on their whole roster. But, but if still, they trade Baker they Mayfield in that trade, if they trade Baker Mayfield in that trade and somebody else. You don't think he can make it work? Yeah, they'll make it work where they don't have to like give out the draft pick compensation the same way. I think the Browns are right now content with right now just rolling with it for one more year is kind of the prove it that they'll draft somebody if they need to type thing. Because they really only need receivers right now, the Browns. They're pretty pretty set everywhere else on in terms of a talent, maybe other secondary depth and pass rush too. But again, the money is the big problem with that too. Unless they trade one of the unless they trade one of their offensive linemen or something like that. But again, that's the that those are really the only high-priced guys. Everyone else is pretty affordable on that team. And their offensive line is loaded where I don't know if they want to mess with that. Jeff? Yeah, you know, who knows what the Browns are going to do? They could, Listen, this could be another situation where they, they re-sign him at the end of the year or mm-hmm. it's a situation where they could trade him because they're going to move on anyways. Right. Who knows with that, mm-hmm. right? But – but the market is shrinking for a lot of these dudes. The money situation on a lot of these teams is so untenable. Like I was saying to you before, Fine. there's going to be players left out in the cold that thought they were going to get contracts that just aren't going to get what they thought. Yes. If Cleveland is going to make that kind of deal, they're definitely going to have to deal one of their tight ends. They just franchised Najoku, $11 million, and then Austin right, Hooper's they on 13.2. Right. Right, but they probably franchised him to trade him. That's what I think, too. Yeah, they, no, they, they definitely did because Harrison Bryant played a lot for them last year, too. So I can't right, imagine Harrison Bryant three. and Austin Hooper is still there. So right. they probably franchised him to trade him. But again, they, most of their, their contracts are actually very balanced. They're, Baker Mayfield's actually the biggest one right now, 18.85. So you trade that and Najoku, I guess, hypothetically, whether it's the same trade or not. To, with Minnesota and then maybe to another team, that would be $28 million. Cousins takes on the 45. So you're probably evening it out a little bit. So you're still, you're still losing the 17. So that'd probably be the last move the you problem, can make. 
The problem, right? But the problem is, you're you're trying to create this trade by by including Njoku into the trade to Minnesota. No, I, I, I said it could be either way. They don't have to trade for Njoku. I'm just saying they might trade Njoku to another team to try to make it work. There's a lot of teams looking for a great tight end. I mean, in the AFC AFC East, there are a bunch of teams: Miami, the Jets. I mean, is but you is know. Njoku really a great tight end? He's so great. You needed Austin Hooper, and then that when when he still wasn't any good, you still drafted uh, Harrison Bryant. Yeah, but didn't Njoku had a lot of injury problems? That's he why, did. He yeah. did. Yeah, that but, was probably why. I mean, because he when he did oh, play, so that's was, worth trading for a bag full of injuries. Yeah, but when he's on a field, he's good. You know, so great, but he's also never on the field. Well, that's true too. It might not be worth it for ten point nine three million comparatively. That's the point. The right, Dolphins franchise like, Gasicki, so that. they're not going to do it they're, unless they trade Gasicki too. But I think they'll hang on to him and try to test him out for one. Did more they? Year. Did they franchise him? Yes, they franchised Gasicki. Yep. I know a lot of teams. We're interested in him too, which makes sense. He had a very nice year last year, and he's still very young. And he's actually pretty—he's actually pretty durable comparatively to a lot of the other young tight ends. Which again, it's still a fragile position, so it still could happen for him at some point. But still, considering that position, even the top guys all get hurt all the time. It's it's crazy. And the reason why we're bringing up Kirk Cousins because I think he's the biggest name as far as the quarterbacks are concerned that's still on the board. I mean, nobody. Jameis Winston is he a big name on the board? No. I mean, there'll be teams taking a flyer on him. Marcus Mariota, who hasn't been a starting quarterback for, for he's the one. He should be the target for everybody. Really? He's yeah. only making he, dude. Yeah. I mean, let all right. Let me just ask you a few questions before you freak go out ahead. and go all oh, right. Really? Okay. <laughs> right. Is Marcus is Marcus Mariota, uh, or is Kirk Cousins so much better than Marcus Mariota? He's worth an he extra is. twenty million. I think he is. <laughs> I, I do. You don't think you don't think Marcus Mariota could do the job? I, I don't think he's anywhere close to Kirk Cousins. He's making, Marcus Mariota is making like eleven million or something like that, or twelve million or whatever he's making. No, I understand what you're saying. I just don't think he's for anywhere. twelve million dollars. I would I would jump at him for twelve million dollars because I'd also still be able to improve the rest of my team rather than going and getting Kirk Cousins and saying that that's all I did in free agency. Mm. That could be an option because for those. That's all, you'll, that's all you'd be able to afford to be able to do. That might be an option for a team like the Browns that we were just talking about, where if Baker Mayfield has a lot of these other injury issues too, they'll at least have a more serviceable backup. Not that Case Keenum is horrible, but he's just like he's a backup quarterback. He's just yeah, he's basic. Like Mariano at least could run. He could he's efficient. Like he his problem was more like getting it more in volume and because he is accurate. He just he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. He just wasn't the best downfield thrower, injury prone himself in Tennessee, and wasn't getting the same level of volume. And maybe that kind of scheme where he's used to it with Cleveland is kind of similar to what he had in Tennessee where they had all those running backs and all those tight ends and they didn't really have the receivers. So he actually, he might be kind of used to that kind of thing. Hmm. That Marcus Mariota should be the apple of everybody's eye. If you're a GM, he's cheap. Mm-hmm. He's effective. He can do the job just as good as any of the other guys, if not better that we're all mentioning, right? Mm. Are you taking Trubisky or are you taking Marcus? Mariota? I would take Mariota. Ma- Ma- uh, not even, not even close, right? I guess. And everyone's going to be throwing bags of cash at Trubisky like he's something special this offseason. He stinks. Give me Mariota, and because I don't think that he's that much worse than Kirk Cousins. And and to be honest, I actually think Marcus Mariota would be better for a lot of teams than Kirk Cousins could ever be, because Mariota can also move. Kirk Cousins is a statue. 
Yeah, well, he's a pocket quarterback. Marcus Mariota isn't. Right, but that doesn't that add something to an offense if your quarterback can move? The only thing about Marcus Mariota, he doesn't stay healthy. You know, he's just not a healthy guy. That's all I know problem. is last year. All I know is last year when Derek Carr got hurt and, and and went down hurt, Marcus Mariota came in against the Chargers and slung the ball all the way around the field. I remember that game. I remember that game, but that happens to the Chargers all the time. You know, that's why they brought yeah, in Cleo Mac. That, that's <laughs> great, but everyone right, but everyone remembers young Marcus Mariota that struggled. He's been around the league a little bit now. He's still got a ton of talent. And after watching that Chargers game, I'd certainly like to take a chance uh, on him more than the guy that ran Stephon Diggs out of Minnesota. You know, yeah, I also thought, in a way, because that was more of a running team, he kind of got a raw deal with Tennessee, too. Now, they brought in Tannehill as an insurance policy, like they like the Raiders did bringing Mariota in for a Derek Carr insurance policy, too. But Tennessee, their best receiver was probably Corey Davis, who wasn't anything great there. It was a first-round pick, okay, but he wasn't anything great. A.J. Brown came later, but that was the year t- uh, Mariota got hurt and Tannehill came in anyway, so they didn't even really get to play with him much. <laughs> they had, what, Rashard Matthews and, like, Adam Humphreys was horrible over there on that team. Mm-hmm. So I, they, Delaney Walker was good, but that was really the only option that they had as a, as a real receiving target because it was all of a running team. DeMarco Murray was a good running back. Derrick Henry, obviously, we know he is. But they weren't really even pass-catching guys either. I, I'd, I'd be the one. I'd, for me, just for me, I'd be the one giving Marcus Mariota the call. For sure, interesting. Because then, because then, if it doesn't work out, you're not on the hook for forty million dollars. That's the only thing that I would I would agree with you, uh, Jeff. But I again, I, I mean, if you were to ask me, who would I want, Marcus Mariota or Kirk Cousins? I'm taking Kirk Cousins. I mean, a lot of people don't like Kirk Cousins, I know. and when I say a lot of people, I mean teammates. Isn't that where you were just barking about with Carson once, mm-hmm. and now he's running teammates? Oh, I guess yeah. The thing with Thielen, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. He had a thing with uh, and, and, Diggs no, no, too. No, 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 no. And Diggs, mm-hmm. and Diggs. He did. He had a thing. With Seems the Diggs as though too. everyone he works with hates his guts. And uh, I also heard Dalvin Cook in him had a problem too. Oh. So, right. Yeah. So you're barking about it with Carson Wentz and how his teammates don't like him, and somehow Kirk Cousins is the fix, and all his teammates hate him. Uh huh. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, Jeff, thank you for calling, bud. Always a pleasure. Jeff good to, good to see. Good to see Josh was back, too. Great to hear from Josh. <laughs> I'll have to tune into that, that wrestling show. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Men talking about other men in their underwear. <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> Jeff. Who watches wrestling? Wrestling's for, for people with diminished capacity and children. That's all wrestling's for. <laughs> Oh, Jeff. Well, there's Jeff for you and everybody else. I'd like to thank uh, John Douglas Vogel for joining us. He was fantastic. We really appreciate it. And all the guys that were on our uh, special guests, uh, Sanderson and Farrell, who joined us this week. They were absolutely awesome. Um, thank you to all the fans that keep following us and keep uh, keep listening to us and keep listening to our network and our shows. We really appreciate all the stuff and all the support that you guys give us. Uh, listen to the Weekend Crunch, which will be live at 7 p.m. this weekend. Yep. Uh, we have a new uh, producer, too. 
Did yes. you see that? Yes, I did. Did you uh, get in contact with him? Not yet. I'll do that on tomorrow. Uh, so, uh, obviously, uh, JVC has a new producer that's going to be working with us moving forward. I want to give a shout-out to Michael uh, Ciselli, right? Uh, Sicali. Casali, yep. Casali, who, uh, you know, is leaving and he's moving on with his career. But we really appreciate all the hard work and dedication that he's given us over the uh, over the last past year and a half uh, for our show, The Weekend Crunch. Um, so listen to the show at 7 p.m. If you don't, if you don't live here on Long Island and you, you don't have 103.9, you could go check out iHeartRadio or LI News Radio and go to 103.9 FM. Uh, obviously, we're going to have some guests and a great, great show lined up for you. And obviously, Money Line Mania, as we do every single week with Chaz and the crew. We will be back next week on Wednesday. And by the way, we're going to be moving our shows. Uh, you know, it's not going to be Wednesdays and Thursdays after next week. It will be Tuesdays and Thursdays moving forward uh, after next week. So we'll, we'll split it up so it's not back-to-back night. So we're very excited about that. We wanted that to, to be like that, but because of off the mat, we moved it to Wednesday and Thursday. But now we're going to move it back to Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we're going to be very, uh, you know, it'll be perfect for, for our shows and how we maneuver uh, different guests. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, uh, this is Errol Marks and Speedy Petey saying good night, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.